Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Kyle Prezelinski. I'm Steve Hoji. And I'm Jeremy Duvall. Welcome! I'm really excited to have some uh, internet celebrities, prodigal sons returning, the multiplier of love, Mantic, employees we got a whole great cast of characters for for on the show today to do our twilight kin army review because guys twilight kin are so hot right now i know a lot of people are excited to talk about all things twilight kin so first off kyle what have you been up to hobby wise i know you guys have a trip planned to the west coast soon gammas and and nevada so i know you have a lot on your plate but have you been uh any any up to any hobby lately yeah there's you know, we're getting ready to start show season and it's been years now that Adepticon hasn't happened. You know, Gamma, I was there in early 2020 and it was Thursday afternoon when the news was breaking out that uh, COVID is in the U.S. Everyone scatter and run and the place literally it was like the lights coming on and cockroaches scattering all about. It's It's been a very quiet year for travel and shows in more than a year. It's two years now. So There's a lot of excitement built around that. Ronnie and I are planning on visiting the L.A. area to see Rashad and Scott, yourself, a couple other guys just to hang out, get some games in, do some some area building, I guess, uh, community building in in the area, talk to some stores, that sort of thing. And then we've got the Gamma Trade Show up in Reno, and that's a annual thing that uh, is sort of intended for industry professionals, uh, publishers like Mantic, and then uh, obviously distributors and store owners to come and talk and have the behind the scenes conversations about how to build the business and and that sort of thing. And it's it's actually where I started. It was my first event at Mantic. It was like day three on the job and I was doing that running through me into the fire right away. It's, it's a nice uh, starting point for the year. We've got Adepticon coming up after that. And hobby wise, uh, I, I'm not able to play at Adepticon. And this is the first time that I've attended Adepticon and can't play in the tournament and it's mainly because we don't have the help that we need there's there's not quite as many pathfinders coming out so not as many people come from the uk martin thurwell is coming over uh, along with uh steve and tom so uh for the most part it's going to be a working show for me and that's kept me away from hobby because adepticon was always like clash kings hits in the fall and then you spend the whole winter kind of working on an army to reintroduce and adepticon's that perfect timeline to do it i am working on salamanders at the moment so I always want to look at what new what new models we have that maybe need a little bit of a spotlight and uh, I try to give them a good paint job and work them up and then get them out uh, in front of people and at tournaments. And I'm going to Kings of Memphis uh, later in the year. So that should be when I introduce them. So I've got a little bit of time to put them together. But for the most part, it's been just that and, and taking a little bit of a, of a break from grinding away at the hobby and building and all that sort of thing. Awesome. I will be at Kings of Memphis, too. Uh me and the abbess herself will be going for that uh tournament so i can't wait to hang out with you yeah salamanders are cool man you're gonna have any scorch wings in there man the new scorch wings are so good i do have scorch wings yes um yes very good 
I, I'm using oil paints on them and, and it's Ooh, a new, yeah, it's a new practice. Um, don't really know what I'm doing. I, I've experimented a little bit, watched some videos and blending has always been sort of the thing that I really enjoy. And the appeal of oils is their slow drying time and their ability to blend together. And, and the way that you do it is completely opposite of acrylics. It's not this layered building of darker to light, but you slap down kind of, you block out your paints, you know, you put your darks where the darks go, you put your lights where the lights go, and then you blend them together and using a white spirit, you know, to thin the paints a little bit, you can do washes and stuff the same way that you can with acrylic paints. But for the most part, it's been a really enlightening experience and one that caters to how I like to have paint done. So Scorch wings in particular, I'll send you a picture later. I've just done the wings, like the flame on the wings, and it's all one step. So it makes it really incredibly quick for that, that style of going from that bright yellow to sort of the very dark red at the absolute tip. It, it's such an easy process that it's not just, you know, Jesse always used to make fun of me because I'd say 14 layers on the ass cloth and you don't have to do that. It's, it's one step, you blend it together and it's done. So it is a little bit quicker messier and a new thought process so it's challenging in itself but uh exciting nonetheless i'll, I'll be sure to share stuff as it comes yeah. in, in the completion there is a great video by the illustrious james wapple where he uses oils to paint a mantic ice elemental um, which is it's uh, from june i have it june 29th of 2020 so definitely check that out if you want to see some of this, like what kyle's talking about of how, how you can use oil paints to get really crazy blends and it's one of my favorite mantic models i love the ice elemental so that's on james wapple's uh, youtube channel so definitely worth checking out i've you know there's a lot of i know in the 40k scene they like to use a lot of oil washes because you can get really gritty machines you know really get that look so i'm excited to see um you know where you would go with those salamanders and they're great models like the scorch wings are great uh, it's just it's one of the the better mantic ranges i think that's not out there as much you know, just because so many people, there's so many great Kickstarters for that sort of Aztec salamander look, you know what I mean? So we don't see as much, but I think it is a really great line. So, and you're a great painter. So that was the whole goal is to yeah. kind of just get some visibility on them. And then speaking of Adepticon, maybe we'll play at Kingdoms of Memphis and you can finally have your revenge against me that it's been brewing for all these years. It was a good game. I mean, it you, was. you, you placed and then I ended up somewhere in the middle. So. I had no idea that we were even close to placing when we were playing. So I don't think either of us knew that whoever won that game was going to podium. And I, I think maybe we would have entered that game with like a little, uh, a little bit more of a, 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 a refined lens of what we were doing because we were just having fun and playing a strategic yeah. game. But I don't think either of us realized that we were within striking distance. Yeah, and you know, you, you mentioned Jesse. Adepticon always makes me, reminds me of uh, uh, Jesse. But, you know, it's really great to see that, you know, he's now been gone. But here we have uh, the Suede Gigante 2. You know, uh, we, you, you don't go to a tournament now without seeing a Pizza Jesus t-shirt somewhere. It's really, uh, you know, at Masters this year, the um, we've, uh, we've renamed the Sportsmanship Trophy at Masters in Jesse's honor. So it's really great to see that, his legacy um, is continuing on. Yeah, it's good stuff. And uh, I, I'd, I'd love to continue filming. I, I don't have uh, a partner to film with, and that makes it kind of challenging. So I was talking to our buddy Steve about possibly filming something at Adepticon this year. Because, you know. I was about to say, you you don't you know. have a I feel wounded. Everyone knows <laughs> that the real reason that Kyle said that he doesn't want to play in Adepticon is because he knows that I would challenge him and his beard would once again be under threat. 
that's the real reason. None of this, oh, we haven't got the staff, guys. I'm so sorry, I can't compete this year. So, uh-huh. but instead, well, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna certainly play. We're almost certainly film it in some, probably not like uh, properly, but as best we can. Even if it's like Hotel Ham or whatever. But yeah, we're we're definitely gonna gonna go up for it. I would nice. say you're bringing an army, right? Yeah, I have to bring an army. I mean, even though I can't play, I have to bring something. You have to bring something. I could just cobble something together with beer mats or something. It'll be fun. <laughs> And then you've heard the voice in his glorious return, the Death by Dragon Man himself, Steve. How are you doing, Steve? It's great to have you back on the show. Hey, buddy, it's good to be back. It's, you finally let me back on. You know, it's been, it's been nice. Um, I'm all right, thank you. We're, we're doing good. I'm just like um, like I was telling you guys before, I'm in the middle of moving house. I took this this recording as an excuse to try and finish my army for Adepticon because I've got four units left to go before we fly to Adepticon, which is in uh, just a few weeks' time. And because we're in the middle of moving house, I really haven't got any time that I can sit and do them. So I've been trying, like, if it's a boring work meeting, like online, I've been trying to sit and, like, paint a tundra wolf or whatever. But that's actually quite hard because often, I'm, you know, we, we have cameras on in our meetings at work, and it's actually quite... <laughs> you can't really sneak a painting on at the same time. So I'm hoping... During this recording tonight, I can get ten tundra wolves and uh, twenty rift walkers painted. Now that, that's uh, it's quite a big ask. But I'm, well, I'm, it is I'm, an army review, so we're going to be recording for seven hours. So that it that is <laughs> that is true. Plenty, you'll have plenty. If of we can time. painstakingly detail the pros and cons of each unit, and then each item for each unit, we might get uh-huh. through that. It should be good. Yeah. Well, you know, we got to do it. But um, I see that you're still doing um, have a, a, a nice steady stream of content from Death by Dragons. I, I've been watching some of your tournament reviews. So is that something you you are still enjoying um, as you're you know also painting any any new stuff coming out for uh, are you going to do any coverage of Adepticon or take any pictures while you're while you're in the in the states for your YouTube channel? Yeah, no, I do. I I, I obviously I still enjoy it very much. I think it's it, trying to keep it kind of fresh is, is 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 tough. I think the community updates people have kind of vaguely lost interest in, but I'm I'm still plowing ever onwards, and we, they're coming about uh, once a month every now and then now. I realized the other day that I've been doing them for three years now, which is a hysterically long amount of time to be just kind of jabbering on about stuff and to have people watch. But the tournament reviews go down really well. I haven't been able to kind of record a full battle report. I'm not. I, I have people to film with, but they're just such a. The way I do them is is a real pain. So I'm kind of trying to rethink the way I do them to make them a little bit more streamlined. But yeah, I'd, I'd like to get some Adepticon coverage up. I, I just kind of need to think about how I do that. Really, I can do kind of like a, a, a like a, a travel log or something like that. But I don't know if people are interested to see it. So maybe if people are interested to see it, they could let me know. So we'll see. Um, people let me know what they want what they want to hear for or see from Adepticon. Or if it's like a walk around the maybe like the the con floor or stuff like that. I don't know. But we'll see how it goes. I haven't got anything planned. I was talking to because Tom Robinson's coming because he's um, he won uh, Clash of Kings uh, this year and he's actually a good player, which takes all the pressure off me because I don't have to be any good at the game anymore. So Tom's coming. I was saying that neither of us know the first thing about either Chicago or Adepticon. We don't really know what we're doing, and um, so we're just kind of turning up and kind of um, expecting Carl to show us a good time. Really, otherwise there'll be trouble. That's the plan. I mean, <laughs> entirely the plan. We were talking before we started the cast that uh, their their plane is arriving very early afternoon, and I was intending on driving out that day. And it's an eight hour drive, so I've got to leave around three a.m. So, so we'll all be exhausted. We'll probably be quite drunk from the flight over. So it should start quite well. We've got a few days. We've got a few days to hang. Mark Zelinsky's coming as well. Talk about uh, getting the gang back together. So uh, Zelinsky's coming. It'll be me, Zelinsky, Preslinsky. 
and uh, and Tom Robert would be great. Yeah, Adepticon is great. I'm really curious to hear um, how it, as Kyle mentioned, you know, it, there hasn't been one in a while. So I'm really interested to see sort of this first one back. Uh, I feel like we're just getting to that space in the United States where our numbers now are at the point where people are beginning to feel comfortable to go to more events like that, you know? So I'm curious to see how many people show up. Uh, I mean, I love Adepticon for its vendor floor is is just like, it reminds me of like when you were a little kid and there was always that contest to win to where you could run through Toys R Us and fill your, your, your card up with as much stuff. Like I feel that way when I go into Adepticon's vendor floor, it's amazing. It's so much awesome stuff. So I know you guys are just going to have a blast. Tons of great food. Uh, I know all those guys um, like Shannon and all those local Chicago guys are going to take really good care of you. So I think I'm going to take them to Portillo's. Oh, you got to. You got to. off the plane. Uh Uh-huh. That's one of those definitely uh, places you got to hit when you're in the – that's like an Acon tradition. Well, for me, uh, real quick, so I have been, uh, you know, continuing to work on uh, Twilight Ken. But what I've what I've really been getting into, we played the Friday night prior to Riddle of Steel. We played Dungeon Saga. So I've been obsessed with Dungeon Saga. So I've been wanting to get a dungeon crawl game that I could play with my wife. And we have some board game friends who we played the Hellboy game with that we really that they like the Hellboy game. And they're kind of like fantasy curious you know so i'm trying i was trying to find like a dungeon crawl game that was that had some rpg elements in but that was a little bit more user friendly and you could pick off right off the bat and like dungeon saga is that exactly it really does remind me a lot about sort of the spiritual idea of uh kings in that it's it's really easy to learn but there is some depth involved in that so as soon as i got home from like riddle of steel i was like messaging kyle i was like where can i get all the dungeon saga stuff so i went to noble night games and they had like a buy basically bought everything that they had so i got the the main set i got the dungeon companion i got the valandor i got one of the expansion sets uh so i've been like looking through all the cards uh i was at uh, a game store playing yesterday and i just picked up a whole bunch of random D miniatures because the companions box lets you make your own characters for dungeon saga so i was trying to just get like oh here's a dwarf uh warrior here's a rogue here is something that could be used as a spellcaster you know just some random um dnd miniatures so that when we make our characters people can kind of have like some models to choose from but i'm really excited about that uh just picking up it's, it's sort of like what i want out of a dungeon saga game so it's not like gloomhaven which you need like a, a a master's degree to play i mean i know a lot of people love that game but it's so complex like i'll never get my wife to play that whereas dungeon saga i feel like i could get her to play so i got that and then uh just getting ready for we have a reno tournament another reno tournament coming up next month and then next thing you know it's going to be lone wolf and masters so it's going to be a pretty busy summer so tons of stuff to to be excited about but well awesome fellas you know i'm really excited to have you guys both on the talk twilight kin Uh, So we're going to take a little break, and on the other side, we will get into the Army. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Ash Barker from GMG, and you are listening to Countercharge. Hello, this is Duncan Rhodes from the Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy, and I hope you're about to apply a second thin coat just there whilst you're listening to Countercharge. We are back. So one of the first things I love doing when I'm hosting an Army review show is I love to kind of pick the brains of my guests to give me their elevator pitch. 
of why they like the army, why do they play it, or maybe why they think someone should play it. So let's go with you, Steve. What's your sort of down and dirty elevator pitch for why you like to play Twilight Kin or why you think someone may enjoy playing the army? I mainly, I mean, I played a lot of Twilight Kin um, through early third edition. I would say pre, pre this Clash of Kings, I was kind of, I was um, really heavy on the army. And I think partially that's because, so I had a Twilight Kin army back in version two. Um, and when it was all shooting and dragons or whatever. And I, I wasn't in love with the army then, but as soon as it hit the new edition, people were really giving it a lot of grief and they were saying it wasn't very good. And, and that's always, I love that. That means I really want to play it, right? So I was really, um, I, I got into it. I loved the aesthetic of it. And I liked the whole, I, I really liked the the mythos behind it, actually. The whole principles of the summoner crones and their and their allies, be they abyssals or night stalkers and the way you'd use them. And I found a way to play the army that I thought was really cool, um, which we'll obviously talk about as we go through. I, I, I always kind of firmly disagreed with people kind of uh, telling me the army wasn't any good. Right, because I, you know, I had relative a uh, relative amount of success with it, and actually, I think you know, I think the army in itself was you had to play it very cleverly, which really appealed to me. It was, um, it was a, uh, and it still is to an extent. Um, it's an army where you have to be very careful how you place your pieces. Right, Kings is a game of positioning anyway, and I think with an army like Twilight Kin, everything's kind of fragile to a lesser or greater extent, and how you use those pieces is incredibly important. Um, so that, that really appealed to me and I thought it was kind of cool and I painted a, a, a nice army to go with it. And I think, you know, with the latest edition, what it's opened up is more than just one list style that works. And I think what that's meant is that a lot more people are able to get some traction with the army uh, because it, it, it's a, bit, a little bit more forgiving and that makes it a little bit more um, fun to play, I think, for some people. So, yeah, so I think it's just, it's, it's just kind of cool, isn't it? Dark Elves have always been cool. Haven't they? They're the cool ones. You've got your, your noble elves all poncing around on horses or whatever, and there's dark elves hanging around in the shadows, you know, with cool tattoos or whatever. Yeah, or they have the cool band shirts in high school and they're smoking cigarettes in the bathroom. You know, they're right? the kids they're the ones you just want to, to hang yeah. out. And it's yeah. very much like you said, it's very much like a scalpel, not a hammer style army. Absolutely. Were, I think, you know, yeah. if you if you position Twilight King correctly, it's so devastating. It's it's really, you know, it's so dispiriting to have your pieces just all taken off in one turn because everything hits at the same time. It's that kind of an army. And what about you, Kyle? Sort of same question to you. What what stands out to you about Twilight King? You, you know, for me, it is a lot of what Steve said, but I, I think that the appeal ultimately comes down to what I've always enjoyed in a fantasy space and and it's the ability to tap into a force in this case night stalkers that uh is not part of this world mysterious uh dark wrong in a lot of ways and these guys are playing with something that uh they probably don't really fully understand but they are desperate and angry enough to do so and from a fluff point of view that that's appealing to me, you know, it, it's a slightly unique take on an existing trope. You've got drow in other settings, you've got dark elves in other settings. And I, I think from a mantic perspective, you, you want it to be something that's familiar, but also its own thing. And this army sort of achieves that quite a bit. And especially in the post clash of Kings iteration of it, because the change from second to third edition was obviously a pretty big one, knowing in really on the night stalkers units, we still have abyssal stuff as well, but for the most part, that's that's where it's at, and that's appealing to me. But then, from a, a gameplay style, there 
the finesse to it, the fact that they have some tricks up their sleeves that if you want to go into the magic aspect of things and, and sort of really mess with people with things, uh, weakness, wither and perish, scorched earth, like they, they've got such the spell power behind it to do uh, tricky things, hex on mind screeches, wind blasts, like they, they've got a lot of tools to just sort of mess with your opponent. And that plays into the poison with the glade stalkers. I, I, I like that. I like that they've got the ability to bring something to the table that while other people have access to those spells, yes, um, putting it together in one cohesive force is really just an interesting take. And it's not just the straightforward, I'm going to push forward, engage you first and and hope I win. They, they've got the ability to shoot. They've got the ability to do combat. They've got the ability to do magic. And I, I think you'll find as we go on that combined arm style is a pretty big deal to me. And, and they do that extremely well. So lots of fun unit options that can touch on a various number of gameplay mechanics and they, they do it pretty well. Yeah. And would you guys sort of agree that I think one of the, the great aspects and we'll, you know, we'll cover it as we go through, but sort of post cock 2022 is that, like, as Steve said, not only are some of their elements better, but there's a little bit more variety in how you can build their lists now. So I think that that's been really exciting for players is not only do they have some cool new toys, but because of those new toys, it's no longer, you know, I need to take a horde of elf spear. I need to take double abyssal cab for my unlocks. You know, it was very much a list that only had maybe a couple versions that could work. Okay. But now it feels like wide open. Yeah, there's a lot more to it that you can consider competitive, that's for sure. But there's just there's more flavor there as well. And and, and I think that flavor is really something that drives people to want to bring a unit in the first place. Maybe not entirely. There's some people that are really competitive focused. But ultimately, for me, when I look at a unit, I, I want to like what I feel like they do or represent on the battlefield. So it, it's a big part of it. And I, and I think that there's there's even more of that, especially with the new units. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know. It's exactly like I said. There's just more archetypes you can draw upon. I think we were always limited by unlocks in Twilight King previously. And so the ability to have different unlocking units means you can unlock different archetypes and move with different types of lists. And we've seen, you know, we've seen um, Twilight King take first and second at recent tournaments with totally different lists. And that's just very cool to me to see. For sure. And I know, Kyle, uh, you said once long ago, if there's art in a Mantic book, Mantic probably is thinking about maybe one day making models. So I know we've now seen Twilight Kin in Armada, right? We have seen some Twilight Kin art within books. So is the, is that sort of idea, if we've seen you guys do, is, is that still sort of the Mantic philosophy? Is will one day we have Mantic Twilight Kin redo or what? Uh, I know you can't go too deeply but what can you share with us today yeah i i think that that i mean i saw on the facebook post that there that was a question that popped up repeatedly there's there's targets that we have to fill spaces within the market and obviously our elves are being demanded uh quite a bit right now so this year's already you know the release schedule is completely locked down we know what we're coming out with so i can say certainty it's not happening this year but I, I can promise that uh, all those things are always being looked at. Uh, if we are supporting the IP in other places, like you said, in Armada and um, you know other games that or other spaces that they may exist in, that's that's an encouraging 
reason to believe that Mantic will support them with models. <laughs> I'll, the I'll be the crowd translator here. Yes. Yeah, because like you said, we had a lot of questions. John Corbett, Chris Owen, uh, Billy was on there rifting. A lot of people are really curious to see you guys come up with Twilight Kin. And I think as not just a sort of redone of what we expect them to look like, but I think especially we've seen with Halflings and Rich For Rift Forge Orcs, we've seen Mantic really as from a design aesthetic sort of put their spin on the these classic archetypes so i think a lot of people are excited to see sort of you know what do you guys do with the blade dancer because we sort of had and and don't get me wrong i love them but we've had like the half naked you know quote unquote witch elf style look character for so long i know a lot of people are curious to see you know what our twilight can gonna look like within panathor you know once mantic really does puts their own twist on them sure and it, it's it's an exciting thing because when, when you've got the different varieties of elves, is there a possibility to do a split kit or something that can just be worked out with, with conversions? I, I think that, you know, when you look at what we do with other ranges, there's some hints there. When, when you have a baseline infantry unit and it can be built a couple of different ways, what other units could be built out from that one list? So, you know, if we make a, a plastic frame that includes impalers and blade dancers, that would make a lot of sense to me. Maybe instead of just doing the traditional spears, archers uh, on one frame you could do the more flavorful units on, on their own frame. Or we go with the spears and archers and say, here's a conversion kit that goes into glade stalkers and then impalers. There, there's, there's lots of flexibility there, which is nice. You, you want to do a little bit of market research and our studio guys are the ones that handle all that stuff. They'll see what makes sense and what they would want to come out with for any types of units, but tons of, tons of flexibility. And I have, I have a lot of hope that we, we do something really exciting and, and neat for them. Now, I've heard a lot of really great feedback, like you talk about that sort of that idea of the joint plastic kit or the add-ons or whatever. So from what I've heard from the community is people have really loved that aspect out of the halflings range, right? Of getting, being able to make either the mounted guys or not, or, or having that variety. Has that sort of shown through on your guys number wise? Have, has the halfling launch been a success for you guys? It, it has been. I mean, typically we see a pretty big spike in sales for a new thing when it comes out. And then you, you look at what, what happens, you know, months down the road, is it still selling? Is it still something that is being in demand and the halflings in particular are still doing very well. And it, that speaks to probably, you know, completeness of the range design quality in general, the fact that they have so much available to them, whether it's the stalwarts or the basic frames or, you know, any of the cavalry that's a part of the frames as well. There's, there's encouraging thought processes that can be taken and, and then applied to future releases. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Please. I mean, I just think that's a real, especially with the expense of tooling plastic, hard plastic, if sure. you can, if you can do it in a way that you're getting the most bang for your buck, because in the end, that's what we all love, right? I know for me, I'm like, give me hard plastic. As I've gotten older and more curmudgeon-er, I'm like, don't give me metal or just, I just want plastic models. For me, the more I can have access to that, the better. And if that means that for you guys, it makes more sense financially to tool a kit based around giving you more than just one option. I mean, I think it just, it, it, it makes sense, you know? If, for us, plastic is, it, it comes with its own challenge because of, like you said, the cost for the tooling to get the thing put together, it, that's its own thing. But then you're also dealing with things in the world as, as it is now where you've got shipping delays. Um, 
and I'm talking shipping containers. If we order, you know, so many frames to come over from a production facility to come across the sea and then be distributed from the UK to around the world, it takes time. There's delays and those delays have costs that are associated with them as well. Uh, we've got our resin casting that's in studio and those guys do tons of work. You know, if you look at all of our new releases, there's so much resin that's being involved in that process and they have to cast, you know, constantly it's around the clock kind of casting. And the nice thing is that you can control things with resin. You know, it's, it's made in house. You've got people that are putting that sort of effort in and, and you can fix mistakes and it's all in real time where plastic is you're relying on other, you know, third party sources. So I, I think that we're looking at some solutions for making that easier. And if that's the case, then we may be able to start bringing even more plastic into our ranges and uh, I, I'm with you on that, Jeremy, because I think that would be a, a fantastic option. I'd love to see more of that, you know, regardless. Yeah. I mean, you say like a Blade Dancer Impaler kit and I just am like, yes, please. You know, right. yeah. I, I'm still waiting for my plastic sisterhood infantry archer kit. It's the same thing. You know what I mean? I think there's there's so much a great space for you guys to be able to expand to that. But like you said, you know. That's one of those things as we're trying to find what the new normal looks like. I mean, uh, with this new world, and that is something that a lot of consumers don't really realize how much in the back end the world has changed and the ch new challenges. So, but it's exciting to hear that at least it's uh, it's on the horizon, you know, as as a possible army. And we'll talk a little bit today when we talk about lists and stuff. We'll talk about you know maybe some creative ways to use Mantic models or what what can you use already that's in the range for different elements of twilight kin so first off we're just going to start off with infantry and we're just going to touch base you know the twilight can have access to some core elf units in that infantry slot you know they have access to the tall spears uh they have access to kindred archers you know the the archer changed defense three now that shoot on fours they have access to therenian sea guard which is sort of that mixed unit you know elite and melee with phalanx shoots on fives you know pretty good but expensive you know, before we get into the, the the more sort of juicy Twilight Kin flavored units, what's your guys' thoughts on sort of these basic core elf infantry op options? Let's sort of start with the tall spears. Do we, you know, I know this was a popular choice for unlocks, but maybe we have some other ways to do that now. Or what do you guys think on on uh, uh, tall spears? And Steve. <laughs> they're garbage <laughs> they're garbage they've always been garbage put them in the bin you can put them in the bin along with the needle fangs like to keep them company later on i have very i'm aware that my feelings might not be entirely representative of all twilight kim players however i can see no reason now to ever take tall spears in your list everything out there's multitudes of other options in the list that do whatever they're supposed to do but so much better like we said it earlier on, Twilight Kin are a scalpel army. You want everything in your list to hit like a truck. Taking a horde that hits on fours is just poo. It's so bad. And I had to kind of, um, I, I ended up playing um, at, at um, UK Masters this year. Uh, Grant, who is my friend who who plays Twilight Kin, and he bought a horde of, a horde of tall spears with Hammer of Measured Force, which I cast weakness on, by the way. Yeah, which is uh, was a great move. But he was gleefully gloating about how they took off a horde of Revenant Cavalry. But they only took a horde of Revenant Cavalry off because the opponent he was playing, um, who was Nick Williams, um, just rolled so poorly on his surge. He had like 20 surge and he rolled uh, five out of it. That wasn't ridiculous. They ended up in the middle of the battlefield so he could get a, um, a flank off a hill 
with his tall spears. And that was the only reason he took them off, because tall spears in any other situation are so, so bad. Never take them, ever put them in the bin. I, I thank you. Before Clash of Kings, I would have disagreed with you. But now, especially uh, with the neophytes, it, it does not really have the same same place that it used to. Right? If you want a big horde that's going to just sit there, use neophytes. If you want something that can actually take damage, use butchers. You want something that can hit, use impalers. Why would you take tall spears? They're an elf unit anyway. Dark elf should spit on them. And they're and they're they're pricey too, right? I mean, 230 points for the horde. I mean, granted right. you have you have the spear style attack value, right? They hit have 30 attacks in the horde, 15 in the regiment, so you're paying for that extra attacks, but as we'll see with the neophytes that hit on threes, um that hitting on you know the hitting on fours and i guess phalanx is good but phalanx is one of those things that it's either going to be great or do nothing you know so it's like i hate to put points unless i know specifically i play in a meta that everyone just takes cab all day long to me i just think there's 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 better options now for uh, unlocking and and not only is there better options but they're 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 options that are specifically twilight as far as their flavor and model so i'm kind of with you guys is i saw the logic on this on this a little bit before of maybe being like okay well i need a big i need a horde you know i need a horde unlock so what am i going to take i'll take tall spears but especially post 2022 i again i agree with you guys i don't think there's a great spot for that unit what do we think about either the sea guard or the archers i mean i know the archers went down to you know they hit on they shoot on fours now Keith Randall can uh, uh, now sleep easier at night. You know, the archers hit on fours. But, uh, you know, with the Glade Stalkers that we'll talk to in a minute, again, it's just, I don't really, I think there's 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 just better options. But, I mean, what do you guys think about just the regular elf archer? You know, they're they're not terrible just in, in the sense that if you want to take in the regiment and horde, possibly, uh, if, if you're going for that shooting spam, style of army okay you you know you're really committing to that's your horde unlock in in a shooting style shooting spam army i think even one of those one of those lists uh had that recently in, in one of the winning lists steve you may have shared it recently with us um but to me yes glade stalkers are just going to do what you need them to better the, the fact that you've got uh scout and melee three up on them is tremendous compared to melee five on these guys and same defense, same ranged fewer attacks in the regiment, same nerve. Yeah. It, it's it, yeah. I, I, that's really all I can say. Yeah. Because when you look at the glade stalkers, so a regiment of archers, 140 points, you look at the glade stalkers, they're 175 points. So essentially for 35 points, let's look at what you're getting. Your melee goes from five to three. Okay. If that was the only change, that's pretty good for 35 points to get two extra melee. You're picking up elite both in combat and in shooting. So archers only have it in shooting. You're picking up scout. You're picking up pathfinder. And you're picking up always wound on fours in combat. And you're picking all of that up for 35 points. I don't know, Steve. That sounds Two extra attacks. And two extra attacks. That sounds like a pretty good return on investment of, of, of 35 points. Yeah, I 100% agree with Kyle. The only reason to take them is if you want to hoard on luck in a shooting only list. That's pretty, and that's that's fine. That's absolutely fine. I think they're 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 better than they were, and they you know they do a job which is to sit there. 
and, and when I think about Seaguard, I think about sort of the reasons why I don't like the spears and the reasons why I don't like the archers. And now <laughs> it's like in both those reasons now are in the same thing. It's just 260 points for a horde, uh, a defense for a horde. I mean, that is just. Yeah, it's so expensive. It's so expensive, right? It, mm. it would be nice if they had, you know, general elite instead of just elite melee. That could help, you know, steady aim does help but even then 260 for for that unit is is wolf it's just very it's just very pricey especially with especially as we're entering into this meta where there's a lot of effective ways to deal with defense for to me that's just like here's my 260 horde point horde unit that's in trouble early you know it's just so expensive um, yeah i've never used seaguard or liked seaguard but mm-hmm. I'm not a Seaguard expert. I think Fred likes them. I remember Fred saying on when he used to do Giant Dwarf that he loves his Seaguard. I'd be interested to know why, because I cannot, you know, they're they're in they're nearly in the bin with um tall spears. They're just not quite near the bottom of the bin like tall spears. They're quite near the top of the bin, but they're still in the bin. I, I think that an important point that I want to make early in this process, and I think will come up again later, is that sometimes you you have units that can make sense for a theme. And and you can cater to players that want to play on that. Maybe they don't they don't care about competitive play. Maybe they're never going to go to a tournament, but they they actually just genuinely like something because of what it represents. And if there's any place for a unit like this, I think that that's that's where it goes. Yeah, because it is very like you know Twilight Kin are sort of the the dark elf mythos has always kind of had that sort of slaver nautical almost theme. So these guys is sort of you know, fits that, uh, uh, piratical. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And I think that's true. You know, I tend to, um, you know, being a competitive player always through look, you know, still think about theme and stuff when I'm model choosing, but not so much theme when I'm looking at the stats of a unit. So that's something to keep in mind is that Kings of war is for everyone. It's for, you know, Mark playing in his basement as much as it is for me playing at master. So I think that's an interesting observation to think about how theme enters into the design of a list, not just in your model choice, but in the actual gameplay mechanics. So we talked a little bit about it, you know, and we'll see it when we look at lists later, but let's circle back just briefly to, to the Twilight Glade Stalker. You know, Glade Stalkers very much, it's are all the, as I said, Twilight Kin, but even so, Glade Stalkers are so hot right now. You know, it's very much the buzz. I know we tested, right, Kyle? We tested this unit really heavily in testing. You know what? What do we what do we think about the the Twilight Glade Stalkers? You know, it. it I think that all three got looked at heavily in in playtesting. The idea behind wanting to differentiate the elf factions a little bit was was focused on with with this unit. And I, in testing, if you remember, it was more the Sylvankin Glade Stalkers. Yes. Uh huh. Those ones went through. I think that they had ignores cover at one point, which was tossed away pretty quickly. It's a hot topic because they, they do everything and they do it fairly well. They they don't have defense. That's that's really their weakness. You know, they've got fairly low nerve and they've got low low defense for a substantial cost for what could offset them. Uh, a couple of lightning bolts units gone. These ones in particular are extremely weak to counter shooting, honestly, uh, aside from using Pathfinder and getting into a, a place of terrain where you can sort of protect yourself but they also don't want to exclusively shoot not having steady aim on these guys and melee three with a poison like you're you're wasting sort of the potential there if you're not trying to position them 
uh, for melee attacks as well. So there's some counterplay. These ones are my favorite, maybe because I'm just, you know, a fan of Twilight Ken in general, but uh, I think that they just, it's such a cool and flavorful rule to have that, that venom on them. It, it, it's cool. They were play tested heavily. And I think that there's there's definitely some some situations where they come out on top, undoubtedly. And then there's some situations where they can fall apart very easily. I know I found in games that I've played uh, where they didn't work out for me at all. Have you had that experience, Jeremy? Yeah. So like like Kyle mentions it and we, we talked about it a little bit, but basically the Twilight Glade Stalker is equipped with what's called Dream Slayer Venom, which essentially for its 10 attacks in the troop are 12 attacks in the regiments. In melee, it's hits on threes with elite and a built-in hammer of measure force. So in melee, it's always wounding on fours. But like what Kyle says, if you if you d- deploy these guys poorly or you have to move them a lot in the early stages of the game, you don't quite realize how much not having steady aim really does hurt these guys. So because if you're moving and then what in shooting at something in cover, you're now hitting on sixes. And granted, the elite helps that a little bit, but I've had some some games where I've tried to play them. Okay, I'm gonna play these guys. I'm just gonna stick. I'm gonna sit back and I'm just gonna shoot, and I'm only gonna charge late game. And maybe they do, you know, a handful of wounds throughout the game, but don't do much. And other games I've had. Well, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna play these up front. I'm gonna charge in. I charge in. I do a lot of damage. Someone sneezes on them and they die. So th- they are a very solid unit, but there is, I think they're weak against counter shooting. Uh, they're weak against lightning bolt. Uh, their defense is low enough that if you can put any wounds on them are th- any hits, those hits are probably going to transfer to wounds. And, but they are the upside is that they do, they are super efficient at what they do for the most part. Granted, if you're moving and shooting at something in cover, not so much, but they hit on threes with elite uh, Twilight Kin doesn't have a lot of great tools to deal with defense six outside of butchers and maybe the cav who have inborn crushing. So here is a tool that we now have to deal with defense six. So I found a lot of times I deploy these across from tree herders or I deploy them across from uh, siege breakers or use them as almost a threat uh, across defense six. So if they are moving up the board, I'm threatening with my charge 12 pathfinder, you know, so I can charge through terrain. Or if you can try to get a sneaky, you know, get in the flank with these guys on anything, you can really make a tree herder evaporate. So definitely a super solid unit, but I think their weakness and their cost, I just don't feel, and I know we'll take a look at a list that did well, but I think once people get used to them, taking them is five or six. I think it's just so many points. My sort of sweet spot is I take two regiments. And that's what yeah, I've really been. That's what I've been really liking. What about you, Steve? Have you had a chance to play with these guys much yet? Yeah, so I, I have, and I, I, I you know, it, we're going to be a chorus of agreement here. We need to get some more disagreement coming in. Try and argue it more, but absolutely, I think you know it's a really, really good unit. You look at the stat line; that's incredible, right? They're built in hammer measured force, and the pathfinder and elite on anything with range four is great. I think the reason people have got a bit up in arms recently, and it's not just these glaze stalkers, it's all glaze stalkers, is because people have think, you know, this is a good unit. I'll take six. And then they back it up with three mind creatures and some more range stuff. Or, you know, on the elf list, they take, you know, lots of elf mages and that. And I think there's a couple of things to think about that. One is that it's the kind of list that catches out new players, right? So if you're a newer player, and you've never really faced that awful ranged barrage, it can be very dispiriting to have all your toys disappear, right? 
And, you know, I'm not the best player at dealing with ranged attacks, so I definitely understand that and feel that. Um, Once you've worked it out and you've kind of, maybe you've got some flying characters to lock things down or you've got some stealthy or, you you know, you you work out how to use terrain, then it's a little bit less devastating and it's very swingy, right? Um, So some of the lists we've seen um, have been where people have taken an all-range Twilight Kin Force and they've won like a three-game tournament because their matchups were good. And I think that's kind of raised people's eyebrows a little bit. But even so, you know, Chris Lynch is this, at the moment in the UK, is really taking really gross um, ranged lists. And he won a recent tournament with an all-range Twilight Kin list. And his response was that he was just taking it because he wanted to push how far shooting would go. And frankly, he doesn't think it's a very good list. He just had decent matchups on the day. And I think that's a, probably a very fair assessment. He actually thinks one one Glade Stalker unit is the appropriate amount. I, I think I, I'm with you guys, hence the agreement. I think two is perfect. I liked the list we saw recently where somebody's put Vicious on them because actually the, um, the, the the Chant of Hate regiment level is quite affordable. And if you've Elite Vicious ranged four and then Elite Vicious melee three wounding on fours that's horrible that unit deletes yeah, it's stuff really efficient it's yeah. very very super good. tasty yeah right super good that's a really good use of points i would say i think twilight can have a lot and we'll talk about impalers here in a second but i think twilight can have a lot of really awesome regiment options for those you for those items for like the brew of strength or the the vicious item you know we have a lot of really nice choices to put that at the regiment level and get and get the most out of that reduced point cost for those regiment discounted items, and I think Glade Stalkers is is one of them where you you know put an item or they're perfectly good if you just want to make sure you don't waste too many points on them uh, and go cheap. But yeah, I mean if you have an army of all shooting and all Glade Stalkers and you're playing, let's say you're playing someone, you're playing the herd and you go first. I mean you're shooting a defense four, you're probably going to have a good day. You know, so that's another thing I think to think about is we still haven't had enough events yet and enough big events to really think about it. And like we tested, like I'm testing, I played against Twilight Glade Soccer Spam. I played against the Sylvan Glade Soccer Spam. And sort of that was always after, you know, the tens and tens of test games was depending on matchup and who goes first, maybe it would be pretty good. But sort of the final thing was always like more often not by end of the game, they were all dead. And you couldn't really play scenario because if you tried to move a unit out onto an objective, it'd get shot and killed. Or it's just a, it, it didn't allow you to really like stick in certain places. So, I mean, I think it's a very good unit. And like I said, I have two regiments in my list that I've been workshopping now since testing. So a very solid list, but I don't think we're going to see the spammed version of it last for more than a few months. I could be totally wrong. But my instinct is once we see maybe people teching in more Veil of Shadows or higher defense or whatever to deal with some of the shooting, we won't see as many of them. But still a, a fantastic, super flavorful. Like I love the Venom, the poison weapons. Uh, just a really great where theme meets gameplay. I think that they combo really well with certain units. You know, we talk about Mind Screeches that's that's probably the the one two punch that most competitive players are going to want to go with having height five on the mind screech and height two on these guys means that they they can just work really well together uh the mind screech can even operate as chaff in certain positions i've used them with uh the dragon breath flamer recently to some decent effect on those turns where i need to advance um and don't have the steady aim having the dragon breath just being able to pop off 
that that breath attack is is a really extra bonus to shooting when you need it and then again they become kind of a nice chaff that can go along with it and and that goes really well with uh you know a crone that is with them or even lathiel there's there's some nice battle group options that you can do but ultimately they do quite a bit on their own as it is and that's what we're going to see i think one theme that we're going to see and i know that kyle and i both uh, and even Steve like to play that combined arms play style as a play style. And I really think, I mean, people have been talking about, you know, Twilight Kins shooting and this and that, but I actually think it's probably one of the best combined arms lists in the game. If that's the style of, of outside of maybe, you know, we'll touch on it when we talk shadow Hulk, but we don't really have a, you know, tar pits per se, but if you're wanting to play a combined arms offensive list the twilight kin really has a lot of great options for that that type of list design so let's talk about impalers next i love the impalers this was another unit that in testing we were looking at ways to how can we make these guys a, a little unique um really good hitty infantry you know speed six defense four hit on threes with 15 attacks with elite so not the soul reaver level of attacks but you are picking up elite uh, which is really nice. You know, 14, 16, so pretty much your standard sort of uh, elf nerve. Uh, crushing strength, one. But what I really like, and I think it, it it takes them from being you know expensive and pretty good to where I think they're just great, is that they pick up fury. So at least if you get charged first and you wavered, you're going to ha- have one uh, counter. And I think these guys with the scream shard, they can pick up that gives them a once per game life leech two. For five points is really nice with with a fury unit because you know they're going to charge back. But I, I've been running my impalers, one with strength and one with the uh, helm of the drunken ram, just to give e- one crushing two and one crushing one thunder one because I found that with the fifteen attacks they just need a little bit more punching power. But when you give them a little more more offensive power with dread and drain life, they turn out pretty good. But what are your guys' thoughts on impalers after the the fury buff and and just in general? Yeah, I, I I loved Impalers even before the buff. I you know I had them as the mainstay of my line. I always had Butcher Regiments with Impalers behind, checkerboarded. Um, or if there was range, I'd directly put them behind the Butchers because they're both. I mean, they're just they're just a great little unit. They push, they punch hard. The fifteen attacks with Elite is really good. Natural Crushing one is really great. They're brilliant for a Bane Chant if you wanted to do that. Um, I definitely agree with Brewer Strength on on, on a regiment. It makes them super good. Um, a little bit fragile, but yeah, I think they're just a super core unit. And having Fury on them is just, it's just very, very good. It's the only thing that was the problem with them was if they got wavered and now they don't. So I'm just like, yeah, I love this unit. Really, really like them. I think that they they fit perfectly into exactly what you were saying, Jeremy, with you need a little bit of help on them. And that's where we talk about the combined arms play style, because if you're able to put that chip damage on with your ranged uh, when these guys come in, then they're that much more effective or, or the amount of attacks that they're going to do, the, the average wound rate that they're going to put on a defense five unit is really puts them in that range that they're going to take that unit off when they make that initial charge, which is it saves them on their defense because, I mean, this army in general is just it's pretty easy to pick up. Counter charges can be a major issue. Fury helps, you know, mitigate the the one major problem that they had before. Yeah, I really like Pat Allen, former U.S. Master, talks about he likes to think of hammer units as units that against defense five, you do enough damage on average that you need a seven to break. 
as kind of like when he's conceptualizing hammer units. And I think impalers unitemed are just under that, but with giving them a, an offensive item and then with, with uh, a, maybe a, dre- a nearby dread source, you know, Twilight can has a lot of great sources of dread or maybe a, a one or two points of damage from a drain life. All of a sudden this, this, this uh, death by a thousand cuts means that they're picking up a lot of stuff that they fight. Uh, and at 165, you know, being able to pick up a, an, another 15, 17 hammer that maybe is a little bit more expensive to, than you, you know, uh, is really good. But again, like all Twilight Kin stuff, they are at that defense four. They are fragile. You just can't run them up. I play them like Steve. I like to put them behind butcher regiments. You know, one, it's a butcher regiment's taller, a butcher regiment's defense five, a butcher regiment has stealthy. So you need to deliver these guys and protect them a little bit but when you do i found uh the games that my army really does well are the games that i didn't throw away my impalers if i get max value from the impalers then all my shooting all all the other stuff is that much more devastating when if the impalers can get into combat so i really like them but they you do have to think about how am i going to deploy them You, you you can't just run them straight forward Bob's your uncle, like, you know, and just be like, okay, I'm good, you know, because they are a fragile unit. But a lot of Twilight Kin, I feel, is like high risk, high reward. When you play them strategically, like Steve said, and they just evaporate your opponent, it's very fulfilling because you know you didn't just just run into anything. You had to actually think about how do I get this unit in the combat safely? So they do reward you for that scalpel style play. Absolutely, it's the combo as well. So you you captured it perfectly in what you were saying. That combination, and Twilight Kin really is a combination army where you are using the different elements. You haven't got just like you know your um, your vampires running up one flank and that's they just delete stuff. Everything has to go together cleverly. You have to use your crone for the drain life. You have to use your gargoyles for the black for the blocking. You have to use your you know, your heroes appropriately and the dread and it all just works together really nice. It's a really nice kind of concerto. Yeah. And you, and I notice it. I know when I misplay those uh, cohesive elements that work together, I get smoked if I don't, you know, if I don't play them well. So I really see an agency in a, as a general for this army that if I'm using all my stuff together, well, it's rewarding me. And if I don't use it, well, my whole army's dead by turn three because it is pretty fragile army. So I just, I like that place. That's a play style that's enjoyable. Like what you said is to feel like you have agency over how your army plays. Yeah. It's punishing, but rewarding and, and taking, taking the different units that you have the ability to, to combo in. uh, I mean, that's, that's music. We put, we put the trademark on the army. Really. It's the combo army. Totally. Um, Supersize me, you know, Uh, if, if you've got dread, if you've got shooting, if you've got drain life, if you've got, fury combinations like all the answers are there and when you can put it all together it feels damn good to do it and actually pull it off yeah it's just so engaging like i always feel i have options when i'm playing the list i'm it's a list that plays in every phase of the game uh just so much different uh, interesting stuff to do let's talk about one of my favorite units I, i i i really sort of started in building my new list at this unit which is the Blade, Dancer, and Neophytes. So this is sort of your answer to a Horde unlock. So the Blade, Dancer, Neophytes you can take in troop regiments are Horde. So finally a Twilight Kin uh, unit we can take in a Horde. Uh, they're speed six, so a little bit slower than right than the regular Blade Dancers. But uh, hit on threes, defense three, 
in the horde, they have 25 attacks, but really they have 25 attacks in the horde at only 200 points. So basically all the points of this unit are flat out in its offensive ability, you know, just, just turn it up to 11. I've been running this a lot with hammer of measured force, because when we, if you talk about the, the spearman versus this, I'm going to take neophytes on 25 attacks. When, if you get lucky and roll, or if you roll well, uh, you can get 18, 19 hits. And all of a sudden you're doing 10, 11, 12 damage against anything in the game, uh, is pretty sweet. What do you guys think about the, uh, the neophytes i mean they're they're a beautiful unit it it does what you want i i think that they may arguably be the best infantry horde uh in in the game i mean because they're not really a popular unit i know kingdoms men have some pretty pretty good options defensively you've got ensnarers that kind of thing uh but for what we need in this army it fits that role perfectly i started off like with a lot of them i was like yeah let's get loads of hordes in there and i think um, as a horde unlock, it fits that role perfectly. I think you don't want to flood too many of them because hordes at defense three without other mitigating defense aspects suffer, right? They're, you know, it's a it's a relatively cheap, quick unlock that does surprising amounts of damage if you treat them right. Um, I'm I'm not as in love with them, but I think they're so much better than tall spears that I think they're just um, a great addition to the army. And you do have some some tech to support them. We'll talk about in what I think is probably one of the best living legends in the game, Lafayette Blackheart. She has the stealthy aura, you know. So we do have some tools to help. Uh, that's a little bit easier to defend one of them than it is to defend multiple of them. So I, I was the same thing as you, Steve. My original Twilight Kin list started with two hordes of neophytes, and then I, I went down to the one with Hammer of Measured Force. As just I found it was a little difficult to try to protect and deliver both of them just at that defense three. You know, they were just so fragile. So I like um, I like the sort of at one horde. I think you could probably also do if you wanted to do an MMU style. The regiments are 120 points. You know, if you want to take three or four regiments or something like that, it's just cheap, you know, looking for flanks, uh, trying to just harass could be good too. But I just the consistency of that one horde and i love it with hammer just because again we don't have as many great tools to deal with defense six without sort of these guys and then we have now the glade stalkers but again it's a really nice horde i can put in the middle of the board and it's like if you want to charge your earth earth elementals up the middle of the board or your you know whatever up the middle of the board which a lot of players like to i have an answer for that it's the kind of horde you don't you don't care if it dies all right that's it's that's only 200 points yeah and in the yeah. in the twilight kind of that's cheap and so you're like okay you can die i don't care but you're actually going to hold stuff up for long enough that my important stuff is going to be in your flank and they're so terrifying i i think it's one of those units that probably once you do nasty things to someone next time they see it they're like oh my god i don't even want to go you know you spike a roll maybe and do 14 damage with them against something uh, and it just terrifies people and again, when you lose a horde, sometimes when that horde's 260 or 265 or 270 or even up, it you really hurts. But at 200 and then plus a little bit, if you're giving them an item, you can lose this uh, unit and not be totally devastated. And it's just such a flavor. So I'm using for these model wise, I'm using the um, the newer version of the GW uh, Witch Elves, but I'm using the one with the helmets. 
uh, they have helmets and whips and sort of my idea the theme is uh, in, in my in my Panathor Twilight Kin neophytes have to wear helmets because they haven't earned the right yet for the people they kill to know who killed them so they wear helmets and then once you become a full-fledged blade dancer you take your helmet off so now your victims know who just murdered them like they've <laughs> earned they've earned that right to know that their victims know them as their killer and the neophytes haven't earned that right yet so uh i've already in my head starting to be like you know build my twilight kin lore you know within panathor but yeah i just love this unit i think it's exactly what we needed a horde unlock that's twilight kin it's cheap punches hard it's just a fabulous unit okay well now let's touch base on just you know we still have the regular blade dancers right we just talked about neophytes um we still have the regular blade dancers, but let's talk about in relation to the blade dancers, the new formation, because we've had a lot of que- we've had some questions in our chat about, uh, you know, mode. The general Gaddafi asks the best way to run the formation. Um, I'm wondering, Steve. I know you, you've had some experience. Have you run the the, the black Hydra formation? Uh, so I know in the formation you pick up a soul bane. You get two troops of blade dancers and a regiment of blade dancers. And basically for that, your soul bane on foot goes down to defense, but he uh, gets more attacks and speed and he gets rally. So he's rallying the, uh, the uh, blade dancers, but the big deal is kind of a la the Hydra, right? As they take damage, each point of damage, they get more attacks. What are your thoughts on the, the blade dancer formation? Right. So I have played with it a bit. Um, the best thing about, the formation is the Soulbane, the Lee's the Soulless, who is so good, particularly if you've got host Shadow Beast, right? Seven attacks, um, hitting on threes, crush, whatever. And it's just mm. very, very, very good. Um, you can get right in there, be incredibly irritating. I'm not sold on Blade Dancers um, as a unit. And and so the, the point of the formation having this um, hydro effective extra attacks. The problem is right, blade dancers just melt, right? They did. They, it's so rare if they've got any damage that they're still alive after they've had that damage that the rule is kind of meaningless, um, I, in my experience. But I'm, I'm not the best player in the world. I just think this, you know, in terms of scalpel formations, like a scalpel uh, army, this is the most scalpely unit in it and you have to be really really good to play them well and i know there's people who do play them and play them exceptionally well and and like them i just think for for a defense three unit that melts when people touch it i want it to be less expensive <laughs> and and that's that's my issue with them because every time they die and they die a lot i'm just wincing at the amount of points i've just spent on them um, but Lee's the Solace is awesome. And also, the theme of this is really cool. It's just a really nice, wicked kind of idea. I think it's very clever. Uh, I just wish I was good enough to be able to use it effectively. What about you, Kyle? Have you messed, messed around with this formation? I mean, you, you are getting the wild charge one, right? So, I mean, that is nice in the fact that you are going to to charge 15 because they're speed 7. But they are just so expensive for defense 3. That's funny that, like, Steve says it, but I feel the same way is that it's like the scalpel within a scalpel within a scalpel. And I just don't think I'm good, good enough to play this tile unit because they always just die before I get, get them anywhere. I I've, I've used them in friendly games, but it's been, it, it, you know, the design of the unit and everything behind it was, was all fluff based. And 
I think this is one of the units that I mentioned earlier that like there are people that like to play the game and and they like the lore to match what units do. And this is a really good example of of how that works. And I have a ton of fun when I'm playing basement games with this formation. They 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 surprise me. And then I think maybe I can take this in a competitive list, which I haven't done yet. The, 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 the real shining star on these guys is the speed and the wild charge. The, the extra damage that you get from doing, you know, wounds to them, that's that's really just a bonus. It's just there as sort of a fun addition. But to me, the, the real the real appeal is the wild charge um, and, and obviously the rallying that you can get with Lee's on there. So in their fluff, they they fight as kind of soulbound pairs. And if one member of them is fallen or, or killed or they're separated. The other one goes into like this berserk state where they just go insane until they end up eventually killing themselves. That's, that's where this whole enraged comes from the, obviously you're doing damage to the unit. Maybe some of their partners are falling and then they're, they're getting uh, more aggressive and, and volatile because of that. So I, I think that's incredibly cool. It's incredibly fun. I've used them to always as a second line. They're never a first line unit at all. They're never the first ones to go in. Uh, but they they do clean up extremely well. So if you're using them in, in combination with impalers, uh, you, you've got to kind of hold them back. I find that they work really well sitting behind a hill, waiting. Once you've engaged with your first line units, then they can go up on the hill. And then at that point, um, they're getting the bonus from extra thunderous charge charging off the hill. And 15 inches is, is just a really nice um, surprise that you can throw out there, especially if if you know, once that sort of melee is engaged and everybody's locked down, if you lose sight of that uh, threat range that they can put out, they, it's it's really nice. But I, I've never used them in the in the sense that like, well, I'm going to go put damage on these guys so that they get more attacks. Like, that's just not how I see it. It's purely if they're lucky enough to survive, then they get some extras that they can throw out in the next turn. And I mean, you could run Lafayette with them to give them a stealthy aura. You could take like a, a second crone maybe with the banner of Abertshire to give them spell ward. So, I mean, you could tech, if you wanted to play them in a more competitive environment, you could tech in stuff to make them more deliverable to survive. But then again, it's just so many points. And I mean, it's nice to have, to have the rally, you know, it does make them a little bit better, but dash 17 defense three, that's 190 points in the regiment is just so expensive that we already have a bunch of other really expensive things that I think we just, the glass of the glass cannon becomes too glassy with these guys. That's that's what I found. But still, I mean, like you said, a super fun, flavorful uh, formation. But I have yet to, I haven't, I haven't figured them out yet in, in a strictly competitive way how to make them work. So I'm curious to see if someone does more power to you. You know, they're a, a super cool unit, but I just look at them and I'm just like, I'll just take the the discount neophytes for ten for ten more points over a regiment, I drop down a speed. I lose a thunderous charge, but I gain five attacks, and I gain I don't know like seven nerve or something crazy, you know. So, so that pretty much covers all of the 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 regular infantry. I mean, for heavy infantry, heavy infantry, we still have gargoyles, which are great, right? I mean, no no real news here. Gargoyles are still gargoyles, still eighty five point flying ten chaff. That's great. I mean, most Twilight Kinless, right, are going to have two troops of gargoyles at least. I mean, that's what I, that's sort of what I've been going back and forth between two or three troops of gargoyles. That is the correct number to take. Yeah. They're just so good. They're good on every list. They're a bit too good. 
you can't go wrong with gargoyles. Like w- everything that could possibly be say, said about them, I think has already been said. They're, yeah, they're, they're just amazing. Like, yeah. Just a super solid unit. And then large infantry butchers, you know, are great. I'm curious. I tend to run my butchers as regiment chaff for my impalers. Have you guys uh, ever run horde? Because, I mean, in a horde, butchers, defense five, we love it, right? 16, 18 fury, super defensible, 18 attacks on fours with crushing two. So if you, you know, live by the fours, die by the fours. But if you get attacks over, they do wound. I mean, I've seen people maybe run these, if you want to invest at them, give them sharpness or give them an item or have you guys run hordes of butchers in your TK list or do you just stick with the regiments or what are you guys thoughts on butchers? I've, I've run them in a horde before quite a long time ago. I would say, I think they are a lovely, if you're good at trolls, if you're good with trolls, you'll be good with butchers, right? They're like stealthy trolls. And I think they have a role like that. I think I just, and I, to be honest, I think there's probably a list there that has hordes of butchers in it that's brilliant. Um, I just prefer them in a regiment because they're, you know, they are the thick chaff of thick chaff, aren't they? Um, they were better when before when they were fearless, but they're still great. I think they just they play that role to a T. They're so annoyingly hard to kill. Like I've had people just throwing stuff at them and just sitting there gazing in disbelief as this stupid regiment of butchers is still alive how is it still alive and you're like yeah they're still alive sorry about that you know and they're just carrying on and on and on i think they're just fantastic in that role but weirdly i don't take them anymore in my (laughs) since since um in in my pre-clash of kings list um i definitely were absolutely the mainstay of my list i think now um i'm happier having things like the neophytes in the front which actually die a little bit more efficiently and then I've got more stuff to come through because I've got more variety in the units I can I can have behind them. But I think there's definitely still a list out there with both types in. I think they're really solid. They're they're priced extremely well. You know, 120 even for thick chaff is is great. Uh, maybe only Revenant Cavalry beat that really. Um, 200 in the horde is is just a tremendous point value to have for defense five 16 18 fury. They're they're not really an offensive unit. You could throw a brew of sharpness on them if you wanted to, um, but even then, that you know, I, it, they're still coming in at roughly that point cost that you'd see with Ogre Palace Guard or Whites. But those guys really just do what they do better. And I think that the real value of this unit is its defensive capabilities and its ability to just have unit strength on the board. Um, unit strength two in the regiment is still like that's really good. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a good solid defense unit in a list that doesn't have a lot of that. And it's just why I like it in the regiment is that it just fits so perfectly with impalers. You know, impalers can hide behind them. Uh, if someone gives you a, a, a flank charge, all of a sudden here's chaff that when it attacks you in a flank is actually punching. It's defense five. It's I love my chaff having waiver mitigation. There's nothing worse than if you're running chaff that gets wavered and just is stuck there so at least with fury i have some sort of waiver mitigation on my chaff and at unit strength two it's like chaff that has unit strength two so that's also a really a nice point you bring up kyle so i just think it's it's a really nice unit that you could probably work, work both ways i just know for for my combined arms we have gargoyles which are great fast nimble flying chaff and then butchers just for me fill that role of thick chaff just so well. Like you say, outside of Rev Cav is probably one of the better thick chaffs, you know, in the game. 
So it just feels to me that it just fits that role so well. And there's a list in there, isn't there? If you think about it, we talked a lot about um, Twilight King being fragile. But if you have Butchers, Shadow Hulks, Abyssal Horsemen, suddenly most of your list is Defense 5. That's very annoying. And you've got got a ton of Drain Life in there. Loads of stealthy. That's very, very durable. You've got a you know a respectable grind list. Yeah, definitely. And that's again we've we've talked about it, but it's it's one of the things I love about Twilight Kin is especially post twenty twenty two is that there are uh, I think there's some archetypes that does well, but within those archetypes that you do have some options to spice in different things. Yeah, so let's go ahead and you mentioned them, but let's go ahead and talk the the cab spot. So for Cab, uh, Twilight can have a few options. You know, they, they can pick up Silver Breeze from the main elf list, uh, which is nice. They can pick up Cronebound Shadowhounds. But I know you're a fan in the uh, Steve, you're a big fan in the past of, run, of running Cronebound Abyssal Horseman. So Abyssal Horseman, you know, speed eight, nine attacks, 18 attacks in the regiment, defense five. I think what maybe one of the things going against them is in the regiment, they're 14, 16, as opposed to maybe what you would expect from a night regiment of 15, 17 and 240 is not like, you know, some nights maybe hover around the 200, but what you do get for that extra points, you get crushing one thunder one, which is always great on Cav. You get fury and then you get defense five, but you also pick up regeneration five plus, which is nice. Um, and I know you have some beautiful, your Steve's, if you haven't seen him, his regiments of Abyssal Horsemen have like Hydras within them, I think. Right, Steve? Just really cool looking unit. Yeah. Actually, I found those Hydras in a, they're the old metal GW Hydras. And I found them in a, um, in a bin. No, no, like a, like a bargain bin in a game shop in a town called Worcester, Nimi. And there was two Hydra bodies and like a mixture of heads and tails. And then I, um, I blue stuffed and green stuffed the the remaining ones to make them up, and then uh, I've made them detachable so I can actually use them as hydras as well. But yeah, I've, I've I've used these exclusively right up until this Clash of Kings as kind of the main hammer unit in Twilight King because they are, it, to my mind, I think they're one of you know maybe excluding Order of the Green Lady, they're one of the best cavalry in the game hands down. It's like you've seen, and that mixture of crushing strength one fury regeneration just is so good they are incredibly durable there was that legendary match i don't know if you guys um, ever saw it but it was um it was broadcast it was i think I elliot was playing against i think it was jonathan fox right and he played you and at one point um john double one elliot's abyssal horseman on about 54 damage or he double one <laughs> twice in a go right and by the end of the game they were down to 11 damage and they were still alive because they regenerated and drained life all all the wounds back again. They just would not die. They're like immortal, and and they are so good. Um, in that they are really terrifying. You know, I run one with sharpness and one with pathfinder. I know Elliot runs sharpness and elite on them. They are really very very devastating hammer to throw in. Um, I, I think they're just and they're, and they're unlike many hammers. Once you've thrown them in, they carry on punching. Uh, due to that crushing one, uh, I think they're just a super unit. Fantastic. Yeah, I've taken them um, in combination with fiends, which I'm sure we'll look at next. Uh, I, I think that it, that may not be the most competitive way to do it, but ultimately these guys are the no nonsense option. Um, really solid heavy cavalry that you have got. You know the regeneration, the fury, all the things that we're talking about. It, it's there. 
it the biggest thing for me is the 1416 that that sort of drives me nuts but if yeah. you can get around them not getting popped on the first turn uh they're a huge pain and and fury definitely helps that they they can grind with crush one if they need to so they've got all the tools for that to happen i just find that for whatever reason that doesn't happen for me nearly as much uh i i think that they probably are better if you take them at least in pairs or in multiples they're they're really solid i i would absolutely love them if they were speed nine that would be tremendous um yeah that's that's asking too much so i'd run them in a pair with an arch fiend and that triple was just the you know the ultimate hammer flank oh so scary super scary utterly terrifying right terrifying yeah what do you think i think probably at 240 you just take these naked i would be really worried did you do you did you run items on yours steve i would be i mean at the 1416 maybe being their big downfall i think putting any items on this scares me a little bit points wise i I think if you're going to take them you need to make them super effective Okay. Right. Otherwise, I think they are just very expensive and good cav. You need to make them the best cav ever by giving them. I and I, you know, I think sharpness on these makes that unit just completely terrifying. So it really, people overcommit almost to to deal with it. And once it's in, it just deletes everything. I think you know, I I I, I tend to not take naked cavalry units, but that's just the the way that I play. I know that people do. I think they're great without items. I think with items, they become an absolutely terrifying force. And I think if you're going to put them in your list, because they are so expensive, you just almost need, you almost need to really commit to saying these are the mainstay of my force and this is what I'm delivering with them. Yeah. I, I do agree with you on that. The the regiment of Cav is a great... Uh, again, we've talked about it before with the Impalers, right? We do have some options for uh, the regiment discount of offensive items in this list. You know, mm-hmm. because like knights fit that usually really well. You know, we have impalers, so yeah, and that and that does make sense, right? Which is if you're gonna take it, you might as well double down and make sure that when it does punch someone in the face, it really punches them in the face. Cav is one of those type of units. If you've had experience playing them, it's probably good. But if you haven't, this might not be the first cab that you try. If you've never played Cav before, it's just because it is a little bit more fragile. Like again, but it fits with that the Twilight Keen Twilight Kin theme, right? Of Everything's a little fragile, but the upside is is that when it when you deliver it, it does a, a amazing damage. So, what do we think about these other two choices? I mean, we have Silver Breeze, right? Same Silver Breeze cab that's an elf, so speed ten, range, melee on fours, short bows, so you're shooting on eighteen inch with elite steady aim. So, I mean, nimble. I mean, probably solid. I guess if you were wanting to to put in a little bit more uh, nim- nimble or oh, put a little bit more speed shooting i just feel like not These excited I, they're they're better in elves i think especially when you can combo them with like things like dracons i i don't think they should be in this list i think thematically it makes no sense for me to for them to be in the twilight kin army list if you're taking a fully ranged army they're a great addition to it but you've got other ranged options that are as good i just don't I, it doesn't make sense to me for them to be in this list i think it's it's madness for me, Silver Breeze sounds like a nicely, nicely elf list, uh, a nicely, nicely elf unit. I think Heralds of Woe in Second Edition, and I think that it was just purely uh, trying to carry over units that existed in, in the list before. You know, by by having them as keyed in from the main elf list. I get that, and I, I but I think if you were going to have them, you should have them have a slightly different function or a different archetype. I, 
it doesn't feel right to me in a twilight can list i I know people use them and they're great but yeah it's not it's not for me i've tried to build lists with them and i just can't ever find the spot of like what are they what are they doing you know Mm. because they don't have something else that they can run up with a flank with the cat to charge with them i mean maybe you could do the arch fiend with them in a sort of a different flavor of the two regiments of horsemen and instead have some shooting with some arch fiend support. But I haven't, I have yet to find a list where they, they slot into easily. And I think now that we have so many of these great juicy TK flavored things, I sort of just glaze over the regular elf stuff because I'm building a twilight kin army. I'm not building an elf army, you know? So I just kind of, I'm excited in other other areas on the list. Not to say that they aren't good, or maybe th- someone will make a good list with them, a TK list, but I, they're sort of uninspiring to me a little bit. I like them decently as chaff for like a horde of fiends, for example. The height difference there, the fiends can still see over them if they need to do a combo charge. The Silver Breeze, if you want to, uh, being speed 10, can can kind of position themselves in a way that you in that middle ground between the 16 inch charge range of the fiends, the the silver breeze could do that one nimble pivot and then back up five and then had clear the way for the fiends to charge in clean. And then they are free to do whatever they want the following turn. There's, there's some placement there. They're what? 25, 25 mil less. Like oftentimes you want to, you want to pair units that have similar frontage. So like the butchers covering the impalers that we talked about before, Um, you know, silver breeze in that calf spot, aren't large cav but they're they're close enough that they can do a little bit of work in that sense um and it's obviously speed 10 is is really nice if you if you do want to have units that can just fly up the board early game and jam your opponent up i mean this is a pretty good unit to do that with gargoyles do it better though yeah yeah that's exactly right i feel like you're getting some of what maybe you would want in that role you can get from gargoyles at substantially cheaper uh, and we have enough effective shooting in other places of the army. I don't feel like I have to dip into Silver Breeze to pick up the shooting that I need. And at that range 18, especially with how much 24-inch shooting has gotten improved now, these guys on a flank or by themselves without stealthy support or other support, I just think are just going to be picked off so easily. But I could see them definitely like hanging around uh, w- with, with Chromebound Fiends, maybe hiding from early shooting and then popping out when you need the, them for chaff. So... Um, but that's sort of next on our list. So that's our one large cab choice, right? It's Cronebound Fiends. So uh, large cavalry height four, which is really interesting because we do have a couple of nice height four options in this list with the Fiends and then with the uh, the Soul Bane on Dread Fiend. I said it right. Uh, but Fiends, you know, uh, carry over our uh, Night Stalker unit, speed eight, large cab, defense four. But it's one of those hits on fours, but in the horde has 24 attacks on 16, 18. Uh, stealthy, vicious, crushing strength one. But it sounds like, Kyle, you've played uh, some games with Fiends. What's your thoughts on Fiends? I still just lament the loss of uh, the second edition unit that was so much better. They, they were large cav at the time. They hit on threes, uh, thunder one, crush one, vicious, uh, and then regen five. Like it was kind of like the horsemen and fiends in the, into one unit hit on threes, defense five, uh, 24 attacks. Like they were, they were incredible. No, they hit, they hit on fours, but I always give them brutal sharpness. I, I, I think that it's that sort of older list love for me that, that gets pulled in. I know that people have had some pretty decent success running these in regiments. 
Uh, 12 attacks is, is pretty good. I don't like them in regiments because they sort of fall into a really weird waiver number, that 13-15 in defense four, like just a couple of wounds. that uh, They almost always seem to get wavered and you get jammed up behind them. Can't see around them because they're height four. But the height four is the real reason that you you like these guys. Stealthy is great, but you you can you can hide them behind a hill get cover from the hill, have stealthy as well, and then still be able to see over it, charge over it. Uh, they are they are good late game workers. I think that Pathfinder works best on them uh, just because of the base size and and obviously going from fours to five in melee is, is horrendous. So it, they've got a place. Um, I think they've got less of a place now in post Clash of Kings, but I, I still like them. Maybe not as much as the Horsemen, though. Yeah, and like you said, in the regiment, I know Joey Greek and his Night Stalker army runs a lot of regiments of fiends as chaff. And I guess if you wanted to have sort of thick chaff for your abyssal horsemen, where you wanted to fully hide the horsemen, you could run these, right? Because a regiment of large cav is slightly bigger than the frontage of a trooper regiment of a, a regular cavalry. So they could be a role if you want speed eight thick chaff i mean that 125 in the regiment starts to uh, exit the, the i think once you get above 120 you start to exit sort of that chaff points uh bracket for me but the butchers at 1315 the, the magic of the butchers is they have fury and these guys don't so the last thing you want is is to get them wavered but i mean i could see some uses for them based on what is what else is in your army or maybe you you love the mantic fiends or you have just the perfect modeling idea i could see this as a cool thematic choice but i also was a fan of that old unit of uh sort of the I guess like cold one nights or what are the knights riding beasts or whatever uh, archetype. But what do you think? Have you ever used fiends at all, Steve, in any of your lists? Nope. And I wouldn't, I think they're terrible. Um, <laughs> um, I'm so black and white guys. I'm really sorry, but I, they, there's right. The only reason you, the only way you'd use them is with sharpness to my mind, because hitting on fours, they're like tunnel runners in Ratkin. And that's how I think of them. 24 attacks sounds so great. But then when when you're rolling fours, you're rolling fours. And I think it, it can just it bite you on the ass so much. They're just not reliable enough to be worth their points. The only reason I can see you take them is if you want the nerve. Right, The nerve is really good but compared to horsemen. But in every circumstance that I've wanted a hitty unit, I'd take horsemen instead. But that again, it's, it's a play style thing. A lot of people, I've seen a lot of people take fiends. With with varying success, I think the most successful ones take them with sharpness. Okay, well then now I need you guys to explain to me why you would ever take needle fangs over gargoyles. I don't know why you would. Maybe you need five points. That's sort of our one swarm option. They fly. They're speed seven, but they're eighty points. Twelve attacks on five. I mean, everything to me says I just want gargoyles. I mean, they're I stealthy, I guess, but I don't know. Um, I these ones don't make super much sense to me in Twilight Kin. I, I can't help you. Okay. Well, then, <laughs> well, then we can we can move along. Them. Uh, They're in the we, bin with the, uh, as I said earlier, the talk. Uh huh. We we now we need Paige to do a Steve Hildrew meme of your bin of Twilight Kin units. My bin is like. just full of Twilight Kin. Okay, uh, that's your next uh, uh, page. Your next meme has been Steve Hildrew's bin. So yeah. you've been so directed. So we have a couple of uh, uh, War Machine options, right? We have Bolt Thrower. Uh, the dragon breath and i know kyle you talked about using the dragon breath as also like a sort of piece of chaff which i think is kind of interesting right because yeah you, know, you can move up with it you're not sitting back on a, a 
a bolt thrower. But what is your guys' thoughts on our war machine options? When you, when you've got the mind screech. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right putting War Machines in a Twilight Kin list. And really, you should have invited some better players if you want something that wasn't just like how we feel about things. But um, I don't. I doesn't feel right putting any War Machines into a Twilight Kin list. That's it. Yeah, I mean, there, I guess if you have the models and you dig them, I mean, they're right. okay. But I mean, to me, it's like I'm at ninety point. It's I'm looking at ninety points, and it's like, well, you know. Have I do I have enough mind screeches? So let's just let's just look at that because I feel like in many ways the mind screech is like the ultimate war machine slash Swiss mm-hmm. Army knife slash whatever you want it does for you. So the mind screech speed six. This is our first monster, and I think as Twilight Kin we have uh, access to a lot of uh, some really nice monster choices and Titan choices. Mm-hmm. So mind screech speed six hits on fours because why not? Defense four. It's five attacks. Okay, fantastic. 13, 15. Okay, okay, nerve. 150 points. But fly, nimble, pathfinder, stealth. Pathfinder. It's a floating eyeball. It's completely unnecessary. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, I need to move it to double so I can skin on this terrain piece at the end of the game that's in a forest or whatever. And I don't care. Lightning bolt six. Mind fox six. Wind blast six, which is amazing when it's like, oh, you can't go unless I tell you you can go here. Otherwise, I'm pushing you back. I mean, the mind screech is just amazing, right? It's really good. Yeah, it's really height, good. Height five is is a big one there too. Yeah, yeah, because you can deploy it behind your regular infantry and you're not taking cover. I would say the one thing that really hurts mind screeches, and this is what I uh, experienced when I was playing at Riddle of Steel is that it is probably one of the best things that you can hex in the game because mm. I can't, I can't hide it from you. It's, it's height is now it's, it's, you can hex me. The mind screech also wants to be moving and casting because I think it works so well behind your horde and neophytes or behind some infantry moving up supply, supplying like fire base support. And then, you, you know, with hex, you can't move and shoot. Uh, especially against abyssal dwarves with the hex caster that can also do damage. I mean, it's one thing if your opponent has to hex and then also shoot at you to get those nerve tests. So I think the mind screech is amazing, but it probably is one of the best targets in the game to cast hex on. So if hex makes starts making it as a tech choice into a majority of tournament armies, I think I'm definitely going to move to having the the spell ward banner in my list yeah and i think i think you're right but i think that's why you take them in multiples i think like one mind screech on its own is so hexable it's not quite as hexable as the stormforge shrine by the way as i found oh, out that is true <laughs> so irritatingly hexable um but i think you know you take them in multiples so sure you can hex one of mine but i've got two more right so i i think two or three is the is the right number to take really if you take one then you're just opening yourself up to 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 losing it no, I think you're exactly right. I think I think two works good, and as we'll talk about Lafayette, they they uh, pair with her special ability so well. But I think you want to take two or three. I think in in taking one, like you said, if you do come against Hex, you're really in trouble. But I think I like these in the two or three, uh, mm-hmm. taking them at least in maybe not always three of them every time, but definitely two. I, I've tried taking them with one, just a you know low points. You're like, okay, I can fit in one more thing. What can I do? Mind screech, but it really you 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 want to commit to what they do. You you want to commit to being being able to apply the pressure from multiple different points and being able to shut something down with hex. I think hex is going to be in a lot of lists. I think that the uh, 
banner, the new ban- the spell word banner is going to be all over the place too. So it, it's it's important to have multiple sources of the same thing that you're trying to do just to accomplish what you're actually trying to do. So it can't just be countered very easily. And just as a scenario piece, flying unit strength one stuff is really powerful. And granted, the mind screech is only speed six, but it's just a great late game sit on a sit on an objective and still be able to do something like not just sitting there doing nothing. I can fly over, sit on this objective and I can still wind blast you off an objective. I can, I can lightning bolt you. I can throw out a mind fog, you know? So it's just one of those pieces that again, in and of itself is solid, but not amazing, but how it combines with everything else in the army just makes it so good. I I find that they're often around at the end of the game. You know, it's, it's just that enough nerve and the defense that you, you have to genuinely commit to taking one off uh, and if you don't, then you're ignoring the other pieces in the army that, you know, can really tear you apart if you don't. So it, it, they're they're good at the end of the game. And then you've got that wind blast that in scenario play can be really critical. Uh, it, it, there's there's lots of good there. Yeah, you're exactly right. As a, uh, the 13, 15 defense for stealthy means that you can't just shoot it off with just light chip shooting. You have to invest points into killing it. And uh, with all the other things that you're worried about in a Twilightkin army, to me, often I've found people just don't even try to kill them. They're just like, you know what? The Mind Screech is going to be is going to do what Mind Screeches do, and I'm just going to try to kill the rest of your army. So more than often than not, that's been my experience too. Is that they are alive at the end of the game, just flying around, being annoying, winning you, winning you scenarios. Well, another great Titan choice we have, and Steve mentioned it a little earlier about. Uh, teching in a little defense is the shadow hulk so you know defense five uh, speed six hits on threes which is nice d6 plus six attacks but i think the real nice thing here is dash 20 defense five nerve does have crushing strength three stealthy so it has the stealthy strider slayer so i I, is this sort of the piece like you're talking about steve that if you want a big hunking monster that would add in a little bit of uh defensibility this is a good choice for that oh 100 i think this is i think my this this might be apart from him this might be the best giant in the game because it's got it all it's so it's got a ridiculous nerve um it hits really hard it hits on threes i mean even you know it's stealthy, stealthy it's got, is stupid it's yeah. just so great and I wasn't sold if I'm like, who did that? And I looked at it and thought, hang on, that's, is that melee three? Holy cow, it's so good. And and yeah, I, I take two now in my list just because it's really funny because then people can't kill them. They're so incredibly unkillable. And there's nothing more dispiriting than them doing like, I don't know, 11 or 12 damage to your to your Shadow Hulk and then they roll a six and then you just drain life all that damage back off again and you sit there like, grinning at them like a fool. I think it's just such a fantastic um, giant. I think it's it's brilliant. Love it. Yeah, with that Cronebound Wicked Miasma rule, right, of being able to heal wounds to, with a drain life to Cronebound things further away, it really right. makes it easy to heal this guy up, right? And uh, that, that nerve pool is just so deep that, you know, you get 12 damage on it, and you're like, and you roll that 7 to get 19, and then that 12 damage next turn, like you say, a big chunk of that is just gone. Uh, <laughs> I remember um, a Clash of Kings this year, and it was, okay, it was pre cock or whatever, but um, my Shadow Hulk went toe to toe with Shobik for like four rounds. <laughs> it just never died. I just healed it and healed it and healed it. The poor guy playing me he nearly lost his rag. I swear to God. 
And it's a great place to put a centerpiece model too when you're thinking about both theme and then also if you like to try to uh, you're a hobbyist or you're thinking about competing for a best overall or whatever and you're looking for that one sort of slot to drop in the dragon sort of size creature. Now I'm trying to remember, was your squid did you play that as a Shadow Hulk, Kyle? The the in your original um, Night Stalker army, I know. Didn't you have like a squid killing a boat or something? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a Reaper model. No, I was using that as a terror. Actually, okay, I could, and the I Shadow Hulk remember. was the GW or the Forge World. Um, oh, I cannot think of the name. It, it, oh, that's right. There is no better Shadow jaw. Hulk than one available from Mantic Games. At all good retailers. <laughs> <need> <laughs> this this was in the in the pre employment days. I had I had more freedom to <laughs> explore <laughs> options. Uh, I, I cannot think of the name of it, but it's it's the thing that it's literally torn in half and the jaws all unhinged and sure. it's kind of crawling on its forearms. Uh, yeah. That's what I use as Shadow Hulk, and it was it was incredible. Then it was it was on a monster base, which made it even better. Um, oh, the, the glory days of second edition Twilight Kin for me. That's that's where I'm still stuck on. But Shadow Hulk is is great now. I was I don't know if you remember the first review that we did for Twilight Kin. I was crazy about them at the time. Um, I ran them in pairs just because it's that's here's here's 40 nerve that you have to get rid of. Good luck. Um, it, it, they're they're great defensive, but they're surprisingly offensive too. I mean, crush three and even having Slayer now, which I don't think we've mentioned, um, is is a, a great piece that combos well because your infantry in Twilight Kin can kind of handle other infantry fairly well. Your cavalry cavalry can handle other infantry fairly well, but then now you have this piece that uh, if you're going up against ogres or something like that can can be pretty devastating too yeah because we don't really have anywhere in the army uh efficient crushing two or crushing three this is it i mean we have we'll have the archfiend but we don't have a lot of that options you know to get through defense without using all our other you know uh hammer or the uh glade sarkers other sort of tech to do it and here it does uh and i know steve was joking but mantic does have a great model for this built off the you know the the giant kit super imposing really great choice I mean, I'm a big fan of all the Mantic Night Soccer stuff. So plenty of like great, uh, uh, this would make a really great centerpiece to any army. Yeah. So just like, I think just a super solid choice. It's, it, it would, this I feel would slot really well into to almost any uh, Twilight Kin build, right? So if you had an extra couple of hundred points and you weren't quite sure what you wanted to add, I feel like this would help almost every build to put, just to put a, a Shadow Hulk in it. Okay. We have one more Hero Titan. We have the crone bound archfiend. Uh, so you kind of your standard archfiend dragon, 300, 305 points, 17, 19, but nine attacks on threes, crushing three, vicious, stealthy, which is nice. You know, stealthy on a big uh, flying dude is pretty good. Um, so, uh, Steve, you're talking about you'd run this guy often with your knights. Have you messed with him at all um, in any of your? So, so here's the thing. So, so, so pre-Clash of Kings, I think, and I, I said publicly that I thought the Cronebound Archfiend was the best dragon in the game, for which I got roundly mocked, but I was right. Because he was so good. He was, particularly with the crone, the, 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 the crones to support him. You know, one of the big problems with big dragons is when they start to take damage, they, they just melt quite quickly, despite being defense fire, because people focus on them. And he didn't, and he was just a very, very nice scalpel for the list. I think the problem with Clash of Kings is that Mikael is so much better now than 
than the Archfiend. I struggle to take the Archfiend when I can take Mikhail instead. And that's partially because Mikhail is good and also because he's just so much more fun. Whereas an Archfiend, I've got a great Archfiend model and I, I would love to take him. But I just I put Mikhail on my list because I like rolling Host Shadow Beast on him far too much uh, to take to take an Archfiend. Which is a shame because I think he's I still think he's a great dragon. I think he's brilliant. He you know, he's just super fantastically efficient. And I think he's um if you're gonna take a dragon, take one that you can have a cool model for. Uh, what do you think, Kyle? I know you're a big big model, big monster fan. What are your thoughts on the Archfiend? Yeah, I, I've got obviously the wonderful mantic Archfiend is my yeah. uh, Archfiend. Available um, from all good features. I, I mean, yeah. and another classic killer, one of the cooler uh, old school Mantic models. Their Archfiend is a great model. No, it's really, it's really nice. I remember seeing, I think the first time I saw it in person was at Levy the Lake in like 2016, maybe 2017. Uh, it was Did Jeff's you win Lady the Lake in 2016. No, no, I won it in 18. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff has a very beautiful Mantic Twilight or Manti, Mantic Abyssal Army yeah. painted. Really nice looking army. And his his arch fiend, like I was like, wow, that that's that's incredible. Um again, someone who likes layers on his painting, this was just layers on layers and layers and, and it blended so well and I thought it was beautiful. Uh it really stuck out to me. And I always wanted one in the Twilight Kin list. So last year sometime I painted up one for myself. Uh, I did take it to a one-day tournament, and uh, I, I, I had a lot of fun with it. I, I used it purely as kind of a distraction, carnifex, harassment sort of unit. It didn't pair with anything in particular. It worked really well against a new player, as most you know flying dragon types do. Uh, the, the stealthy is, is a big deal here. It just goes along with the other Night Stalker things in the list. It doesn't really make sense. It loses Fury from the Abyssal list and replaces it with stealthy, but uh, the stealthy is, is very nice. I think it... Uh, at bug eater i i had taken it and remember i was playing dwarves and was just the cannons were just like archfiend archfiend and i was like stealthy stealthy so i kept having to remind the player um that that was the case uh no it wasn't bug eaters another tournament anyway but it just the fact that it has stealthy was it was a big deal and it, it's a nice pairing brutal is great vicious is great whatever you hit with is gonna stick Really, really additional support and fireball is negligible. But, you know, now that fireball has shattering to it, it's, you know, it's decent. If you want to combine that with your shooting just to get that extra shattering modifier, I think it's one of the only places in the list that you can get it outside of uh, what's her name? Lafayel has fireball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Didn't so, he used to have fury? Did, did he lose fury and gain stealthy? If I'm, yes. Have I made that up? Yeah, no, that was a Clash of Kings change. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, no, don't take him then. He <laughs> 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 was better before. <laughs> well, you mentioned Mikael, and I want to talk about it because I think let's let's as we're looking in this hero slot, let's save the best for first. Which I think are are the two living legends that Twilight can have access to. I think they're both just amaze balls. So let's look at Mikhail first, you know, 230. So he did come down in points. I think a lot of people liked him previously, but he was just so expensive. You know, speed nine cab, defense five, six attacks on threes, uh, crushing strength to dread, which is amazing. Elite melee, which is amazing. Inspiring iron resolve, stealthy, which is amazing. But his sort of secret sauce is his sword of Umbra special attack. Um, Steve, why don't you take us through? So what does that even mean with sword of Umbra? What does that let Mikhail do? He, he, he pretty sure he doubles his attacks against heroes, monsters and titans. Right, so it's like it's like a um, super duelist, right? 
I think, it, but it, it, just heroes, blanket heroes. So he is like the ultimate dragon killer. He's all right on his own. Now he's 230 points. That dash 16 nerve is brilliant. Speed nine, brilliant. Dread, brilliant. Everything, everything about him is brilliant. But I think you kind of, if you take him, and I've, barely, I've, I've not seen many lists without him, I kind of, I wouldn't be able to resist taking him with Host Shadow Beast from a crone. Now that does increase the points cost to be, ludicrous levels but what you've got is something that if it goes into an enemy titan or dragon and you get off your host shadow beast at the same time you're doing like 22 attacks with you know, hitting on threes crush two dread elite it's just like he's like the ultimate dragon killer he is terrifying to face at speed nine people spend their whole game trying to avoid him just i think he's just and i love the lore of him i i love the idea of him he, he's a version one a hero that came back i have the version one model which is a great model which i would love to see back in the back in production i think you and i are probably the only two that have that model that i've seen <laughs> even remotely recently i've got i've got two i've got because i <laughs> unknowingly before he was in the list i bought one and he became um i stuck him in the front of his, uh, uh, he's the hero in some soul weaver cavalry <laughs> so i didn't know but um yeah, I just love him. I love the idea of him. And I mean, the first time I played him, obviously it was the first time we'd played in version three and my opponent didn't really get how good it was. He was in combat from turn two and he was the um, defining facet. He just took out regiments on his own. He just went around doing ridiculous amounts of damage because Host Shadow Beast went off all the time. Um, I think without Host Shadow Beast, he's still great. It's not as much fun. Yeah, and Marissa, one of our audience members, asked about Host Shadow Beast. And for people who don't know, Host Shadow Beast basically is a spell that you cast, and for successes, you get individuals gain additional attacks. And one nice thing, and we'll touch on it when we look at the crone, is that we have access. The fact that we're we're the highest spell level casters mm -hmm. in Twilight Kin means something to where you're picking up Host Shadow Beast 10, so let's say you give him an extra five or six attacks. He attacks a monster. He, you're now doubling 11 or 12. So it's a lot of moving parts that have to work together. Mm. But but when they do, it is it is pretty pretty devastating. It's super fun. I mean, I would never buy Host Shadow Beast 10 because it's just so stupidly expensive. I, I take Host Shadow Beast 8 um, on, a, on a crone, and I take Bane Chan Hunter as well just in case. So you like that sort of like middle, the middle one, the, the host Shadow Beast 8 for 30 points, you think the, the yeah. 40 is just too expensive? Yeah, yeah. 40 is, is ridiculous points. Um, I think, I think you know, 30 is still a lot, but it, it's kind of justifiably fun, especially if you have another character that you can use host Shadow Beast on just in case. Um, you know, in case Mikhail, Mikhail carks it in the, in the wrong time or... Anyway, but yeah, he's just so fun. I think he's really fun. Like I can't say that enough. The the fun factor is a big a big part of what makes him key to a lot of lists. You know, when when you consider that you can throw him into combo charge, uh you can hunt characters, you can hunt monsters. His his versatility is really incredible and that makes it fun. That makes it fun to play. Uh and then obviously seeing your opponent sweat makes it fun to play. Um knowing how they're going to deal with it or overcommit to taking him out uh can be fun. So he, he's a great unit. I also use host shadow beast eight. If I am going to take it with host shadow beast, I think that's the the sweet spot for, for what he does. Uh, 10 could even honestly be overkill potentially. Um, eight usually does the trick. I think um, people, you know, people, if you play against the first time, you would literally say, this is broken. It's broken. 
if you know if he goes into a hero and takes them off in, the, in one go, but you have to remember how many points that player is committing to running that trick, right? Oh yeah, and it's it over. Was, it's three hundred plus points, right? Which you should expect a three hundred plus point thing to do a lot of damage in the game. Yeah, um, and it's nice. I think it's like if you're wanting some of that flavor, or if you're missing some of the sort of like. I want a special character hero that's like really going to be boss and kill things and have flavor up the wazoo. This gives you that of, of having a little bit of that more old school, like super powerful character. This gives you an option for that. Yeah. And I think, like you said, he's good with host shadow beast. I think you could take him just by himself is a great choice too. Like he reminds me somewhat of that, um, you know, the shadow Hulk at two twenty mikhail's 230 if you have that extra 220 to 230 amount of points again i think mikhail could fit slot into any army and he's going to make it he's got you're going to get value from him uh of flying around supporting stuff the dread is amazing dread is like dread it's just such an incredible rule uh as brutal dread just being able to put a brutal bubble wherever you want is just so powerful um, so he's really good so i'm thinking about what someone like Elliot Morris might say, right? Because Elliot's very good at list design and he's a very competitive player. And I think he'd say something like, it's a trap, don't do it, just take a Soulbane, Mounted Soulbane instead, right? Because he has, the Mounted Soulbane is so much cheaper and has a lot of the same tricks. Um, he'll die quicker, but he's still mighty. He's still got Dread. He's still elite. He's still stealthy. I think there's a lot that Mounted Soulbane could do in a more competitive list. You're basically um, taking a Crone and Soulbane together just to get him points wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think yeah, a, a Mounted Soulbane right is one fifty five on a horse. So yeah. and, and like you said, he's got five attacks instead of six. A little less nerve, but it's a like you a good point. It's a similar role. But I think if you're taking Mikhail, you want some of that unpredictability, or you want some of that yeah. fun, or or you want some of the flavor. As like you say, it's not maybe necessarily always a straight competitive choice. But if you want that sort of wackiness from him of with host shadow beast, then he's a good choice for that. But if you're going uh, strictly points, maybe you take a soul beam soul bane. Cool. Well, let's talk about the other living legend character who I think is also amazing. It's LaFell Blackheart. So this is basically our living legend crone. So 165 points defense four, which is nice as she's 13, 15, which has made a difference in my games. You know, crones are 11, 13. So I believe. And then, so this is picking up a couple points of nerve. Uh, she has the stealthy aura, which is just amazing. If that was the only thing, I'd still be like, wow, that's great. She has uh, Drain Life 7 and Fireball 10, again, for that shattering. Uh, but her big special rule, the Eye of Valak, essentially, if she's not disordered, so she hasn't taken any combat, she can pick a unit within 12 inches of her. She doesn't have to have line of sight. And then basically all your spell casting against that unit counts as if it has elite. So just, uh, uh, she impact. So she gets your, your mind screeches going. She gets your, your, uh, other crone going. If you have any other spells, her spells, it's just all of a sudden you can just turn, pick something that's elite and just basically melt it. She is just, I think she is amazing. She's incredible. And that works with on your own units as well. So if you wanted like to host shadow beast, Mikael, let's say 
you give him elite on him. So just, she's so good. This I think she is hands down the best special character in the game because she has everything that you would want. She's so strong, so powerful, points efficient, multi-purpose, multi-use, in play every turn. So good. Great. And it just makes sense to me. This is like she's the boss, which is what an evil elf, wizard, hag, queen, whatever should be, which is like <laughs> really good. So, I mean, and she Amazing. just... Uh, I mean, I use her so much in my list. Someone flies something behind my lines, like a 1517 piece of nature or something flies behind me. And I just like my mind screeches turn. She turns my other crone with alchemist curse turns. And then the, talk about scary alchemist curse nine with elite. And you can just, you can basically just the closer you get to her. And I just love that idea. Most things, most of our spell casting outside of the mind screeches is the, it, the closer you come to us, the better it becomes. So I just love this idea of you trying to get close to, and all of a sudden it's just the closer you get, the more dangerous Twilight Kin spell casting becomes. But she's amazing, Han, Han Kyle. She was super fun to test and testing. I think she is just such a great choice. It, yeah, she comes from League of Infamy, and that was the whole idea behind it. I remember when talking to Elliot about designing uh, everything that was behind the rules drain life and fireball came from her profile in league of infamy. Uh, the eye came from league of infamy and, and how that would be implemented was, was his idea, which was great. Putting, putting that in combination with the aura of stealthy is, is just is nuts. I think that she works really well when you have another crone. I think the only fathomable downside that I can think of with her is that you can't give her some of the library spells, like some of the customizable spells is because she's a living legend. When, when you're we're trying to squeeze something in a list, if you, if you aren't automatically saying I'm taking her with, with me in this list uh, and you're comparing the two, that might be the only conceivable downside uh, because everything else that she brings to the table is just so much more worth it. It's, it, it's a great character to put in a list at 165 points. It just, it makes sense. Um, Stealthy's tremendous. And, and she, she helps you make battle groups, whatever you would want to do. If you want to run her with glade stalkers, fantastic. Now, you know, she's going to give the stealthy to them to give the counter to shooting, which may be one of their biggest weaknesses. If you want to put her with mind screeches, like you had mentioned, Jeremy, uh, now they're re-rolling ones like they've got elite on their spellcasting. It's 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 just so nice to have the abilities that she has, and that piece can go to so many different places in your list. It's it's just wonderful. Yeah, I love running her. I'll have maybe maybe some scouts, and then my neophyte horde, and then I'll have my mind screeches behind the neophyte horde, and then Lafayette is just chilling with that group, moving up, you know, providing the stealthy bubble. You know, you try. I, I need the extra damage from dread, or and like I that's pretty much how I deal with all my backline defense. Flyer defense is I don't care, fly over me. I'm gonna make you elite, and then I'm gonna turn around and I'm gonna blow you to I'm gonna melt you down with uh my spell casting. Uh, so she's just like a great choice. So I did not, I somehow missed that aspect of her being in League of Infamy. So is there a miniature for her then in League of Infamy? And yeah, absolutely. Her- can you purchase that miniature some uh, by herself? By itself, or? No, it's just okay. part of the box. Yeah. Okay. Well then I'm just going to have to get that box then. Uh, and uh, because she is like amazing and she's on the cover, right? Isn't there, a, if I remember yeah. the cover, right? Right. That's her. Okay. 
Well, let's talk about the other, the crone too, because I think that when you're talking about Lafayette and, and sort of her aspect of buffing spells, I think it's good to talk about the crone. And I'm curious to hear you guys talk about what you think of the art, uh, the, which spells are good to pick with the crone, because that is one of the things you don't get with Lafayette is you don't get the ability to pick spells. What I found is I've been running Lafayette and one crone together in my list so that I can have one crone pick the spells uh, that I want from the library of, uh, you know, the special spells. And then I have Lafayette giving the, the spell buff. So, um, you know, crone, you're, you're comes with drain life six, but then basically has access to, Veil of Shadows, if you want the double uh, veil from Lafayette and Veil of Shadows, access to Hex, Bane Champ. I've been running my second crone with Alchemist Curse, and I've been just bu buying the Alchemist Curse 4, so the big daddy spell. Uh, Alchemist Curse 4 for 35 points, just because when you cast it on that elite target uh, against defense 5 or 6, Alchemist Curse 9 or 10 with elite and piercing 4 is just amazing what have you guys been running your crones with spell wise yeah i mean she's the, even the base crone the the fact that it's just an open book of options in, in the library new options that are available almost all of them can be placed and and be valuable and having spellcaster three is like this this matters the other big change with with the crone unit in particular is it went from inspiring crone bound units to just general inspiring i mean that was probably one of the absolute best changes for the list in general, but um, tons of good options. I think that uh, Veil of Shadows becomes kind of redundant because you would more than likely take uh, Lothiel instead, just for the, for the stealthy option there. Uh, Barkskin can be a very good option if you do want to run Blade Dancers or even with the Neophytes, mm -hmm. just to give them some extra defense. Uh, really legitimately good thing. But if you really want to buy into the um, absolute punishing offense, Alchemist Curse is your go-to, and I agree with you. I think the four is the best place to go. Uh, it, it, Matthew James from the Rules Committee had talked to me about, you know, when, when you want to mess with people and, and gameplay options, uh, Hex is tremendous. We, we know the value of that. Maybe not the best choice unless you're putting her on a horse, uh, but Hex, Wither and Perish, and Scorched Earth to me are three options that really buy into the I want to disrupt my opponent's battle plan. And if if I say, I know what you do well, I'm going to take it away from you, you, you can do a lot there. Wither and Perish is probably not incredible but it does it's the effectiveness of weakness but you also get to roll for damage i'm not seeing it in a lot of lists but i just think it's nice um if you can combine that if you did want to buy into crones quite a bit and you want to do things like wither and perish combined with bark skin all of a sudden you can really turn a defense three unit into something that is, is extremely survivable against its target uh scorched earth obviously shuts down uh different types of charges in the right situations but if if we're really honest here, uh, Alchemist Cursed, Host Shadow Beast, those are probably the two winners. Yeah, I, I I can't disagree with that, and I think people haven't quite explored some of the new spells quite as much yet, even now. I think Alchemist Curse, people don't realize how incredibly powerful that spell is now. Um, I hadn't even considered it, and looking at that with the elite. Oh, oh it's and I I run oh. that second crone with the Amulet of the Fireheart. 
So <laughs> it's like on turns when I really need to do business, it's like, oh, she'll drain life six. Okay, now I'm going to amulet of Fileheart and I'll uh, Alchemist Curse 10. It's just the amount of damage that you can on demand put out in that right. key, that key scalpel, you know, that I got to kill this unit. I have to kill it. Uh, it's just so nasty. And people often think that we're looking at your one impaler unit and they think, ah, you're not going to kill my horde. No worries. But I'm not going to worry about that. And you think, cool. Yeah. So you put your impalers in the front and then you put Mikhail in the flank and you host shadow beast him and then you drain life as well. And, and they suddenly, their little face, like all the, all the mm-hmm. blood drains from it. It's, it's um, yeah, very, very nice. So I think, yeah, I think it's, I can't imagine many lists that wouldn't have a crone in them, which is appropriate if you think about it. And for Twilight King, I think possibly the only one that wouldn't is the is the ranged spam list, uh, which wouldn't necessarily need it because um, it's not point sufficient for that list. Uh, but the, like Kyle said, adding inspiring for everyone really took away one of the key weaknesses out of the list for the last edition. I think they're just super. And the fact I like that they don't have lightning bolt or any long range stuff. So the first couple of turns, they're not really doing anything. And I like that the closer you come to me the more options I have and the more devastating they are. So again, it's not just blatantly, blatantly good right off the bat. It still requires you to make sure you're within six to drain life. You know, there's still a lot of management when you're managing those characters, but again, that makes you feel good when you've managed everything. So it's like, Oh, that unit, I don't even need to charge because I'm charging these other two. And then I'm going to kill that unit with all my drain life and then use that drain life to heal these other units. And next thing you know, you have all of these interactions and, and things working together. You have those turns that are just like glorious turns where just everything just flows together and and i like bark skin too i sort of on my my second crone i've run alchemist curse as the more offensive and then when i want to go defensive i'll run bark skin because bark skinning a neophyte heart horde is amazing too you know at defense three you know adding three or four nerve a turn to that can be also really nice especially when you only have one because if you have two, they'll just shoot the other horde. But when you have one horde, if you can add in Barkskin to that, could be really great too. But the Crone is just amazing. Uh, I think I really feel the spell levels really matter with this character. Like we, we, We've heard that so many times before. When is spellcaster level going to mean something? You know, And it's like, here, here you go, bro. It, it means something with this unit. So one other new choice I wanted to touch your, uh, hear your guys' thoughts on. Uh, I love it. It's I have a couple in my list. Is now the soul bane we can get on a dread fiend. So this is a hero large cav speed eight, um, hits on threes, defense five, six attacks, crushing uh, strength two. But it's elite with six attacks, which is great. Nimble, stealthy, dread. Very. I, I'm just such a huge fan after playing Nias for so many years. I love the large cav nimble sort of mini dragon and being able to get that dread uh what are you what are your guys thoughts on the soul bane on dread feet this was a unit that uh i i'm pretty sure it was my idea at least just conceptually what it was and i, I felt like we needed a unit that fit that sort of role because in the list you, you had just the soul banes that could be mounted on a horse and run around and do their thing but uh up until that point, they didn't have that sort of uh, Northern Alliance with the, uh, the Frostfang. Frostfang, the on yes. Frostfang. Yeah, you, you just you you didn't have that kind of unit. And what this brings to the table is that sort of you know fifty mil base that's on nibble and and can get into combats and really sort of support in that way by being able to double triple attacks. Um, 
fantastic in that sense and it's just it's taking something that like why don't we throw a soul bane on a on a dread fiend like it just just one of those sort of crazier ideas that would be interesting to see model wise um you could even do this with mantic models which is great uh it's it's just it's it's a really good option for supporting combats and providing threat in ways that it did it wasn't there before the main issue is how the hell do you ride a dread fiend? Have you seen them? They're like all spikes on legs. They're usually hanging on by a, a big saddle. I'm just saying. Um, so yeah, I can't wait to see that model. But I, I, I really like the idea of it. I've struggled to use them um, in in the list. I think it's just something that I'm not used to playing in this list. Is the only reason I think they're super good, and also because I'm so keen to host Shadow Beast, and you can't host Shadow Beast. Uh, uh, large calf, but I think you know six attacks is the difficult bit of it, isn't it? Really, because the reason that um, the Lord on Frostfang is so good is it's nine. Is he nine attacks? He's more like the Thane on Frostfang. It right? goes to nine with the Snow Fox, which is pretty much an auto include, yeah. right? Which is amazing. And I think there, there's you can't quite get this one up to that level. So I think the idea of them is scarier than they are. Um, so I struggled to put them in my list, but I think the idea the idea of them is excellent. And I, I kind of want them to be uh, more successful than I've been able to make them. Yeah, I think um, you have to, like you said, you got to kind of envision it a certain way. I mean, it is less attacks. It is elite. So, I mean, you should, you're getting consistent damage. I think for me, it's, it's movable, inspiring, which is nice too. So I usually run him around with my impalers and butchers. So he's giving them dread. And so being able to have, I like to run two sort of one on either of my sides of my main battle line. And it's just all about getting that dread. That's that, that six mm-hmm. attacks, you know, of adding, adding to that death by a thousand cuts sort of play style. Uh, and it's for me, I have a, 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 a model wise. It's a cool slot to think of something, um, and it's just really nice. I, I love it. I and it was like one that like I play tested a bunch in play testing, and it used to be thirteen fifteen, and I wrote this big thing on why it should be fourteen sixteen, and I included math, and and they were like, oh, you're right, it should be fourteen sixteen. So every time someone rolls thirteen on it and doesn't waiver it, I'll be like, it's not wavered. Thanks that to was me. That's <laughs> kidding, but it's just a great unit. I think it's a, 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 a just super solid, super solid unit, but. I mean, uh, you know, we've covered, I think, uh, some of the big stuff. I think for me, what's sort of left that I'm interested in hearing your guys' thoughts on of the character slot, I'm wondering with, I sometimes have thought about maybe running an assassin with the gnome shield, you know, the assassin's defense four. So with the gnome glass shield, he'd pop up to defense six, you know, speed seven, crushing strength one, duelist elite, maybe as like a a character hunter for super, uh, uh, casters or has anyone ever really used the assassin or is there any other hero choices we haven't touched based on that you guys think would be interesting to talk about i've i've tried the assassin i i I can't really get it to work you know when you want that sort of support that it does i think that just other things in the list do it better it is cheap um but purely as a support role it's it's kind of difficult gnome glass shield is interesting um the the downside is if somebody just plinks one wound on it, it goes away. But that is, you know, you're getting what you're paying for with it. 
as as far as other heroes go, I think that there there could be a place for a banshee now with mm-hmm. enthrall and being able to combine that um, effectively with Lathiel and uh, denying cover. So if you've got a, a defensive unit that you really want to get into a shooting using a banshee to pull it out of the terrain so that it can be shot at that point um, can be an interesting use of it. That that wasn't really something that you were worried about before. Uh, So there's a possibility there, but for the most part uh, the other, the other heroes are just, they don't shine compared to the, the crone and the soul bane. I think I like the idea of the assassin more than I actually like the actual model is that I would be cool to have a stealthy like ninja assassin guy like running around. So it's like I'm trying to think about how to make that piece work. But like you said, it's hard to do. So maybe it's more of my I like the idea of it more than the actual unit. Yeah, sometimes like units can just be fun and, and you can yeah. play them, like I said, in basement games and enjoy them that way and not worry about it. That, that I mean, some of those games can be the most fun that you have playing Kings of War. And I think we get a little too over focused on hyper competitive. Sometimes it's fun. Just put stuff down and enjoy playing a game. Yeah, for sure. Is there any list that an assassin would be suitable for? It's this one. Right, he should he should be a really cool addition. The problem is, I think the Soulbane is just better in nearly every respect. Yeah, apart from price, it's almost if you called the 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 Soulbane a, a Soulbane assassin or something, it would be super cool. You know, so I, it, it has sort of what you want out of that. True. Yeah, good point. Well, awesome. Um, tons of good stuff. Uh, that's sort of the list. You know, we tried to highlight some things we like, some things that maybe we 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 don't like as much, but. We're going to take a quick break, and then on the other side, we're going to come back, we're going to talk some lists, and then we'll wrap up the show. We'll be right back. This is the Spymaster, Dojo's Everyman, Handsome Tom Annis, and you're listening to Countercharge. This is Paige from Singapore with the YouTube Battle Report channel Newbie Dice, and you're listening to Zanshen Fanji. And we are back. So we thought... uh, uh, Myself, Kyle, and Steve, we have a couple of different lists that either that we're working on ourselves or that we've seen in the community and some of these early uh, uh, COC 2022 tournaments or events or stuff that we've seen. So we're just going to kind of go roundtable, talk about a couple of lists, uh, give you guys some ideas and maybe some possible ways you could build Twilight Kin list-wise now that previously we talked about the individual units. So Steve, why don't you give us a little background on the list that you're going to talk about and then take us to the list. Sure, absolutely. So this is a list that I, I've mentioned it before um, that Chris Lynch took and won a tournament with. He said that he didn't think it was very good, uh, but he still won the tournament with it. And it is a pure shooting build. So if you want to go and like ruin a new player's idea of the game, and <laughs> make sure your opponent has no fun, then you can take this list. But um, it, it's very good. It's very effective, but it has got some quite potent counters. So, And interestingly, it features a Twilight Assassin that we've just said no one would take. So uh, there you go. We don't know what we're talking about. So it is um, 2,000 points. And it has got, it's got a horde of kindred archers. Uh, it's got three regiments of glade stalkers, uh, a troop of gargoyles. But he's given the warbow of Carba to, which is kind of cute. Um, Everything has to Just to, to make sure that it really is all shooting. Uh, he's got two regiments of silver breeze, one of whom has the orb of towering presence. Uh, he's got three mind screeches, of course. Uh, Twilight Assassin with the Scythe of the Harvester. That's the one. Scythe of the Harvester. That's the one that's against um, 
infantry, melee. right? Yeah, it's the gives you additional attacks both in shooting and in close combat against infantry. The yeah, because um, of course you've got the assassins got throwing weapons and the field bleak heart. Um, so it's just a very efficient. I mean, it's it's, it's not as if it doesn't even have punch because glade stalkers can hit quite hard. It doesn't have any defense really to speak of i mean th- i think the whole list is defense three apart from the oh yeah see silver breeze and mind screech is a defense four uh but the highest they've got is defense four and the body of it is defense three so oh yeah it's got stealthy in there from lathiel i think it's got some really strong counters but that is i would find playing against that list very not fun I- i'm gonna say um chris by the way to play i played him and he did kick the living snot out of me with a very similar elf list to this um he's a lovely guy but it is very um dispiriting to just take off all your toys when you haven't had a chance to do anything with them so there you go if you want to go there and and, uh, and be that guy or girl that's that's a list you can do that with how to play kings of war and make no friends is make no friends <laughs> yes, he's a nice and like guy. you I said like it, i mean that list is probably good against some stuff but i imagine if you're playing a, a fast defensive list and you just bum rush him in the face he, if he has a bad shooting phase mm-hmm. or whatever you're then into his stuff so i mean again we, we've talked about there are ways to counterplay against that against that sort of list but if you're new to the game or you you may be quite you know haven't had experience it's like that age-old question about flyers right flyers always feel so so much stronger when you don't quite know how to play against them but mm. well now that we heard that nonsense uh, uh <laughs> kyle take us through something something more really good <laughs> i was gonna say the reason i didn't bring list to my own is because the way that i build lists is i asked jeremy what he's building and i copy it so it didn't seem right to talk about that well that makes sense that's fair uh the the, the list that you went over steve is is it's difficult because I think, you know, players can do that and players will do that no matter what. Uh, but it's it's not fun to play against. Is it good for the game? Not necessarily, um, especially as new players come into it. And the thing that I find a lot more respectable is is a list like this. Is This is Corey Reynolds um, from the Dead of Winter. And it's a 2100 point Twilight Kin list. And and I'm going over someone else's list because this is as close as possible to what I like to take. And I think that uh, he he's a very good player. He played it well and uh, came second, I think, at the event. So to another shootier list, of course. But uh, it proves that if you play it right and do it right, it all works out together. So starting off, we've got a Regiment of Impalers with the Helm of the Drunken Ram. This plays into, you know, making them slightly more offensive. I think that that's a nice cheap buy that rounds them out at 180 and is just a, a good spot for them to be. Two regiments of Twilight Gladestalkers. One of them is taking the Chant of Hate. Uh, again, another really, really nice option that we like on this type of unit because it applies to both ranged and combat. Uh, it's perfect combination to round them out at 195. Um, just nasty, nasty option. Then we've got a horde of Blade Dancer Neophytes with the Hammer of Measured Force. I think that's probably a pretty bare bones approach to taking them. Um, can't say any more than what we've already said. Troop of Gargoyles, obviously, great option to have as chaff. Uh, horde of Butchers with Jesse's Boots of Striding. And here's an, a situation where I think that Corey wanted them to just not have to deal with uh, hitting on fives in melee. And he was going to buy into that one combat where it wouldn't go against him. Um, next is a Horde of Fiends with the Brew of Sharpness. 
Um, this is buying into what Steve said and 24 attacks, just really going all out on the offensive approach. Uh, I think height four is really what he's looking at when he puts these together. Then he's got a regiment of needle fangs. He pulled them out of the bin and uh, put them in his list. I, I don't even know Why? what he's. Yeah, I don't even know what he's combining them with, but it, it, it worked for him. And I'm assuming it's 2100 points. He needed this instead of gargoyles. We can probably safely assume that um, because he was buying in on the items that he had, and, and that was more important. Two groanbound mind screeches, uh, Mikael in there as well and then Lafayette in there and having both living legends there's no option for host shadow beast or anything like that so he's clearly just using them for what they do best and it, it's just an incredibly balanced combined arms list you've got shooting you've got spell casting you've got some speed um and you've got some really nice uh, synergy that goes together with it all so that, that's exactly the kind of list i think twilight kin does best at yeah, just a really nice, solid sort of uh, a little a little bit of everything in the list. Um, you know, I the helm of the ram, nice on the impalers. You know, a couple of glade stalkers got the neophytes, got the gargoyles, butchers. You know, needle fangs, a couple of mind screeches. You know, just like a little, uh, 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 and then both living li- living legends characters. So just like a nice kind of combined arms, uh, very much a. a uh, a toolbox but a toolbox of scalpels so i think it's like a, a solid list and as you'll hear my list in a second i'm thinking that that list and sort of uh in r- kind of the same area of where you're building your stuff i think this is the way to go i think for twilight kin as far as if you're wanting to play it against an all comers sort of style of armies where you're going to play you're going to be playing you know who knows what i'm going to play but i want to bring something that's going to keep me in the game against that that that's this is the way to go if you if you want all comers and you want a rewarding experience where it's fun for you to put all the pieces together and for your opponent that's that's what really makes the most sense and in the end i know we've talked about that the sort the the sort of social contract idea and that you know there's i feel that sort of as like the bell curve where on the one side of the bell curve you have the well well it's like uh you know, I need to make sure my opponent has a great time. It's all my responsibility to the other side of the bell curve of it's a legal list and I have no responsibility to my appointments enjoyment at all. I really think we, you know, uh, you, if you have no one to play with because everyone hates you, you can't play the game. And in the end, I think that there is something to be said about trying to create a great experience for you and your player and that your opponent and that you can make really good lists that work within that environment. You can, there's lots of people who win tournaments with lists that aren't spammy lists and they win tournaments all the time. So, you know, you don't need I'll to have up it. a bit for shooting players, right? Cause, cause there are players that like to play that style of list. Okay. Yeah. And it's not to say that playing all of those players is horrible. And I, I'm thinking partially because I, I consider Chris a friend and he's a good guy. Um, you know, and I think playing as that, if you know what you're getting into, it can be kind of like mental a bit like mental chess is a real challenge and it can be really thrilling. Yeah. I think the the problem that I have with it is if you're taking it to Trump with those newer players, they are going to have a miserable time, right? I think if you know what you're getting into and the person, you know, isn't being a, a dick about it, then I think it can be enjoyable. It's just something that I worry that if the game swings that way, it's going to be very wearing, come up against it again and again and again. 
Yeah. And you have to like, I played against heavy shooting lists and if you're piloting that sort of list and you understand it and you get it and you're, and you're joking and you're having a good time, I've had a blast. It's just that the people who sort of play the shooting list and who can accept it on some way who like, they go, Oh yeah, I know it's kind of like they get it. You know what I mean? It's one thing to play that sort of list and then also not be a nice person. And then it's like, well, it's like, why would I play you? And then, also, you're not even being nice, so it's like a double negative. But um, yeah, I don't think I don't I don't like removing gameplay aspects from the game. Like, I don't think shooting should be nerfed to the point to where it's not in the game. You should be able to play any type of uh, list that you want to play. That's the play style that you love. Just remember, you know, think about that social contract, that idea of who are you playing against. You know, like if you're doing a demo game for Kings you wouldn't want to bring a gun line shooting army, <laughs> right? <laughs> Welcome to your first game. Right. I've got yeah, six regiments of these. Yeah. Just be, be aware of the environment. Whereas if you're playing at a master's type event or whatever, you're going to try to bring the hardest list you possibly can. So just be aware of like the play space, the community space that you're in and just realize in the end, us old guys are going to die. And that if you want new people to play with, like you're going to have to get people into the game. And shooting them off the board is not going to do that thing. So just think about that. But um... okay, so I'll show my list. I'll share my list. So I've been playing this list for a while, workshopping it. Um, I really wanted to pick a list and then play it all year. So then when I took it to Masters, it would be a list that I'd really had uh, uh, Eric Trowbridge levels of reps with. So, so far, I am 10, 7, and 2 with this list. Um, both my draws were if the turn seven roll had gone the other way, I would have won. So, and I'm trying to play it against like masters level players. So, so far I'm pretty happy with how it's been doing. So it has two regiments of impalers, one with brew of strength and one with helm of the drunken Ram. I've been running scream shards on them. I like the scream shards with fury, but if I was to drop 10 points, that's probably what would go first is the scream shards. Um, but I love them with Brew of Strength and Helm of the Drunken Ram. Two regiments of the Glade Stalkers. I also have the Horde of Neophytes with Hammer of Measured Force, just such a reliable unit. Two Cronebound Gargoyles. So they usually hang out and either will help chaff for the Blade Dancer Neophytes, or they'll just go do objectives, or they'll just do kind of, depending on who I'm playing is what they what, what I'm going to use them for. Two Cronebound Butcher Regiments. These always go in front of the Impalers. Two Mind Screeches. I have a Summoner Crone with Amulet of the Fireheart and Alchemist Curse. Sometimes I run her with um, Barkskin, and I'm actually thinking of dropping Amulet of the Fireheart and the two Scream Shards and picking up the Spell Ward banner on her. So then that way I would have Spell Ward and Stealthy and the heal from Drain Life is not targeting anything. So since I'm not running Host Shadow Beast, I don't cast any spells on any of my own guys. It's all heal, indirect heal from the Drain Life. So that Spell Ward banner, I think, would fit in. And then I could maybe try to help my uh, Mind Screeches not get hexed, maybe, with that banner. Um, and then I have two Soul Banes on Dread Fiends and then Lothael. So 15 drops with 26 unit strength with um, some medium hammers, some real great spell casting, some um, a little bit of everything, I think. 
but it is it's 2300 point list but it is just super fun to play yeah, it's, it's solid as hell really i can't you, know, you can't fault it and i think what's nice is that there are multiple styles of lists you can take having talked about it now i'm keen to kind of go away and write a because my my latest list doesn't have any horsemen in it i did like playing the horsemen they're so much fun but i can imagine a double horseman double shadow hulk double impaler double butcher regiment list would be just very very annoying yeah super punchy five right it's really punchy it's really durable there's some great lists out there you could write i think um it's just it's it's uh there's a lot there's a lot to play around with of all the lists i mean i'm i'm, I'm playing with four jokes at adepticon just because they're prettier but um i'm more excited about writing twilight in this than any other army i'd say so I would say the game is probably at the best space that it's been since third edition. I really we've talked about it in all our uh, Clash of Kings 2022 lead up coverage was that here I really feel that the the we're at the full realization of what third edition promised to be, and I think the twi- the state of the Twilightkin army right now really speaks to that, which is these great flavorful synergies, really exciting units. Um, really great ways to have agency over your army. So I think if you're, if you're wanting to see sort of that, that flowering of third edition, Twilight Kin is a great lens to view that in because you have all these great choices. You have all these dynamic choices playing. It is really fun. It's a super rewarding army. It's also a punishing army, but when you're punished, you learn like when I, lose with it i'm like okay that makes total sense i did this i was a moron you know don't don't do this or whatever i feel like it's just such a great lens for where the game on a whole is right now in looking at twilight camp yeah i'd also say um i've been lucky enough um because i know him there's a guy called danny graves over here in the uk who's written um a book for winter star publishing and a lot of it is based around twilight kin um, and he sent a copy to, to kind of preview copy for me to have a read of it. It's it's very far off in the publishing schedule because Brand, uh, Brandon's quite behind in his in his editing, but it's really good. It's awesome. really good, and it's it's just it it's got a beautiful mythos for the Twilight King that fits really well. It's so enjoyable to read. Um, I was I'm really excited for people to get hold of it. It was it was excellent. Well, awesome, Fantas. Uh, any any final uh, thoughts or ideas or anything, Kyle? You know, I think that uh, the army is, like you said, in that perfect place of being able to touch on all the different play styles that you would want to play in in the game. Uh, but it's not beginner friendly, so it's in, it's interesting how you sort of have to put a finesse style of build together, but you 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 could also do complete punch you in the face, double horsemen, double butchers, double impalers, like Steve just said. So it, it's, 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 it's great to see all that put together in one army. I think that with clash of Kings, when we look at what we were trying to make changes for the army and ways to make it make more sense for them, uh, you, you want to push things towards having more options when you're, when you're building a list and having more variety and play style of armies of what type of armies can come to the table. So, I think everyone right now is zoning in on the Glade Stalkers and the potential combinations and shooting and how difficult that can be. But ultimately, there's so many ways to still play this list and win that aren't just a one-trick pony. And I think that the best ways are when you play it 
uh, combining all of those elements into one and, and really making it work uh, through through skill and just practice and application of what the army can do well. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, and that's what. Uh, when you get into an army like this, which I think is so rewarding is when it has lots of different stuff you can do because you can build the list and then add more to it. And it's, you know, you're not, you don't feel chained to only one play style. Okay. So make sure you check out death by dragons, YouTube channel at Steve's YouTube channel. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very sad. I won't see you at Adepticon this year, but I, I will be doing, I've already talked about it with my wife we want to i want she's never been to europe uh and you know so i think at some point i want to get her over to the uk to visit and to do a tournament so i will definitely be seeing you at some point but i know you're gonna you guys are gonna have a blast at adepticon uh so make sure are you ready steve for everyone all your fans to come up and ask for autographs at adepticon (laughs) (laughs) that doesn't happen very often i would say no, that, that doesn't happen very often. But if you do see me and, and you recognize me, please do say hello because it really makes my day. Um, and, yeah, no, I'm, I'm super excited. We'll, we'll uh, drunkenly uh, video call you or something. Oh, oh please do. 2 a.m. Yeah, um, I can't. Uh, maybe we should, have, we should video call Jeremy and have him commentate our game live on the internet as we as we, there we go. all the rules. That would be awesome. And we'll make something up anyway. But no, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm super excited. I've never, you know, there's so many people that I know over there um, that I've talked to or played on UB um, or chatted to, and I've never had the chance to meet. Um, I'm su- surprisingly quiet, I think, in, in real life. So please do come and say hi, because I will probably just hide otherwise. Um, yeah, man, but it's going to be awesome. Actually, you can just come and say hi to Tom Robinson, the best player in the world, and uh, I'll be behind him. That's cool. And what about you, Kyle? Any any shout outs or anything coming up uh, you want to plug for Mantic or, or any anything on your mind? You know, I, I think that there's a lot of good things coming up uh, in, in the next few months, especially for Kings of War in general, especially, you know, we've we've teased uh, the Empire of Dust quite a bit at this point. Um, there's there's some new two player starter sets with brand new models coming and uh we we're seeing the Riftforged Orc and Halfling two player starter set coming out this month. So uh, that's good stuff. Empire dust later on. I think that the offerings that are in there are really nice. It's, it's, you know, you really don't see a whole lot of options for those models outside of 3d print. So it, it's just good to have better options because we'll be, I'll be perfectly honest. The, the current ones are not good. Um, so this refreshing the range is, is really nice. There's also uh, some ogres coming down the pipeline later on. So everybody stay tuned for that. Um, lo- lots of good releases. Firefight is something that I'm incredibly excited for. I, I wish I had more people to to play with uh, just because sometimes you want to change up the texture and pace of what you're doing. And if it's all fantasy and rank and flank all the time, sometimes you just want to pick up a laser gun and shoot somebody. Um dead zone's good for that but like this is this is a really nice you know replacement for something like 40k which i just don't have interest in so uh we're, we're hoping to grow and expand in all those different markets and areas and, and king's war has lots of good stuff coming up uh we're already planning the clash of kings book that's going to come at the end of this year so uh it's it's a lot of work and it's a lot of things that uh, are coming together and that one, um, I wouldn't expect people to to get quite the the shakeup that we had with this this more recent one. Um, it's more bringing the line, the game into line with where it is mid edition. I, I think that we're solidly at that three point five point. 
Uh, and I, I think that we'll look at some ways to make the book appealing to people, but uh, introducing some new concepts and gameplay. And I, I won't get into those because I can't talk about them yet. But uh, there's some there's some great stuff coming throughout the rest of this year. That's that's really all I can say at this point. Fantastic. Um, well, we have a bunch of great stuff coming coming up with the show. You know, we're we're continuing to work on our army reviews. Uh, we have Lone Wolf coming up. We'll have a bunch of coverage at. You know, stay tuned this summer. We're going to have a bunch of coverage from the U.S. Masters. Uh, per normal, uh, we'll have our live studio set up both at Lone Wolf and at U.S. Masters. Um, so we just stay tuned to the show. You know, make sure to tune in to our Sunday night live streams that have been going on at about 5 p.m. Pacific Central Time. We've been having a bunch of great topics on our live streams. We've had some, uh, we have a hobby challenge we're doing on, uh, doing right now. We have uh, live call-in guests. Uh, so make sure to keep checking out our uh, Sunday night live streams. And I just want to thank you guys. It's been great to have you on, both Kyle and Steve. Uh, thank you so much for coming on to do the show. And uh, Steve, uh, for old time's sakes, why don't you show them how it's done and take us out? <clears throat> what do i say no i've got it it's cool until next time keep counter charging thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on counter charge please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com on twitter at countercharge15 or by commenting on the countercharge kings of war podcast facebook group if you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.